What's on the monitor? I, I, I don't know what's happening. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody, and I don't know what's happening. Welcome to the greatest movie-related show on the planet Earth, the John Campy Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campy, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around to talk about the things we love the most. Movies, movie news, TV, streaming, all sorts of good stuff. Sitting right beside me, writer, director, producer, guy who's watched a whole bunch of Sandman Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how are you doing today, sir? John, I'm a little tired, but gratified. We'll talk about that. Um, but yeah. There could be so many uh, implications of that, of that statement. Come on, man. I, I stayed up, watched six hours of Sandman. That, that's a good thing to stay up to. Yeah, I mean, you know. And we'll I, talk about that in a second. I've done six hours of something equally gratifying, just not lately. Sitting around, jeez. <laughs> well, what do you think I meant, Ray? Sitting right beside him, of course, is Chris Carr. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing great. I didn't get to watch Sam Man. I wanted to stay up, but I went to bed by nine like an old, old lady. Well, yeah, yeah but you have more sleep than all of us. Sitting that's over true. there. Ray Ora joining you guys yeah. in the live chat today. Ray, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> and right beside him, right, he's the producer of today's show, of course, running things back there, Jonathan Boyko. Just keeping you guessing about what's happening. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I don't know what's happening. Anyway, guys, we know what's happening now. You guys are joining us. Thank you so much for being here and making the show part of your day. Here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it down into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments or questions. If you'd like to get a live comment or question on the show for us to read out, two things. Number one, you got to be watching live. Number two, when we get to the end of the main topics, we're going to announce that we're opening up the Super Chats. Once we do, you'll have just a couple of minutes to fire in your thoughts, opinions, theories, questions, whatever, and we will read those off and address those at the end of the show. Also, a little bit of housekeeping. If you need your daily fix of the John Campion Show, but you can't be in front of a YouTube video, good news for you. There's an audio-only podcast version of it that we creatively call the John Campia Show Podcast. Just go onto your favorite podcasting app of choice, search for it, and subscribe to it today. Also, don't forget we have a secondary podcast feed just for our mailbag show, so make sure you go and sign up for that as well. Okay, guys, with that down, let's get into an off-the-top here, shall we? And our off-the-top is this. As we mentioned a little bit earlier, one of the, I mean, in certain circles, extremely highly anticipated show coming out of Netflix, The Sandman. This is a property that they have tried to get up and running for many years. And now here it is. It is now dropped. It's on Netflix. Rob has seen six hours of it. He stayed up to watch six six episodes you saw? I watched six episodes. I, I wanted to get to an episode called The Sound of Her Wings, which is the introduction of the character of Death which is in the comics, that's a real turning point because the Neil game was trying to figure out what Sandman really was. And then ep, uh, issue eight was where he solidified it all. So I wanted to see how they dealt with that. So you have been really excited about this show. Like, I, like, like it's been one of the things that you talk, have been talking about the most. So now that you've seen, you're more than halfway through this, through the season, yeah. six episodes <clears> in, <throat> what are your first impressions? First of all, the Sandman's my favorite comic book series of all time because it's literally a story about storytelling itself, really. And, uh, you know, it, it came out, it debuted in 1987. And there's been many, uh, I remember Roger Avery, who worked with Quentin Tarantino on Pulp Fiction, had taken a crack at a script. I've read so many different things over the years. I've wanted to see this. This series is probably, it, I thought it was wonderful. I, I loved 
everything about it. I love the casting. Well, not everything. Well, we'll I'll okay. get to that in a minute. I, I, I was totally enchanted. It, it is a very faithful adaptation. They did things I was completely surprised about. Um, there's been a lot of controversy, controversy about like the casting of Gwendolyn Christie playing Lucifer Morningstar. She's great. That they, they cast a black actress in the role of death. You know, she's great. Uh, great. And, and that episode, The Sound of Her Wings, I, I couldn't believe I was watching it. Like, I, I loved this show. He is great as I did Dream. not know Robert Pattinson starred not, in this show. Not, not, I had no idea. It's not Robert Pattinson. <laughs> uh, Tom, Tom Storage, I think is his name. Uh, he's great. I loved everything about what I was watching except one thing, John. The color grading, the color timing is god-awful. Like, I, I thought there was something wrong with my television. So, like, you know me, I'm Mr. Calibration, calibrating. Mr. It, Calibration. It, it is so crushed. It looked to me like whoever, they, they had this show, and then somebody put it into Final Cut Pro and used the hard light filter and took it down to 25%. The blacks are so crushed. The detail is so crushed that it gets to the point where the, the first episode where, where Dream is captured just right out of the comic book. And Charles Dance plays Roderick, who captures Dream. He's great. I'm like, I can't believe I'm seeing this. It's, but then I can't see it because it's so damn dark that you're looking at this going, come on, man. Is there something? I literally was like, is there something wrong here? I, and then I watched on three different screens and I realized, no, I watched on two television uh, calibrated televisions and I watched it on, on uh, my computer screen and I, I, I was perplexed. I'm like, what? No, I, I have, I have, I have, um, I, I could speculate as to why I won't get into that now, but I, I really, I really don't understand. I'm like, look, if you want to color time something properly, find somebody who's at least 55 or 60 years old who understands how to color grade. There's so many things people, especially there's, there's something called nits nits when you're talking about yeah it's pixels. measurement of brightness measurement of brightness this show looks like it, it maybe got up to 150 nits <laughs> i mean come on man you got a lot of room there to use it but i understand when you're trying to caress visual effects and set design when you don't have the money you want people think oh let's make it look like david fincher it doesn't look like david fincher it looks like a mistake but other than that, other than that, I mean, Doc, David Thewlis is Dr. Destiny. I couldn't believe what I was watching, you know, and the different demons. And the only the only thing that I can criticize, uh, Patton Oswalt does the voice of Matthew the Raven. Don't know if that really works. It's not it's not that he it's not that he's. You should know if it was the right fit. Uh, yes. Uh, it just seemed I, I'm like, why am I listening to Patton Oswalt? <laughs> yes, Matthew the Raven. I it was the only thing that kind of I bumped on, but other than the color grade, I loved everything else. I I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It's such a faithful adaptation, and uh, I mean they've done some really interesting things. Like there's a villain called the Corinthian that they they bring in. It's really good. Anyway, love the show. Love I, the show. I I'm gonna definitely dedicate some time to sit down to to mm -hmm. watch it this weekend because I I totally forgot it was dropping yesterday and we cannot wait to hear more of your thoughts once you finish out the series, guys. The question is for you: What do you think? Have you had a chance to watch some of the Sandman so far? If so, do you love it as much as Rob did? Was your TV able to show you the things a little bit better than Rob's did? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. Okay, guys. With that down, let's now move into our main topics here today. And how do we select our main topics on the show? Well, that's simple. 
you guys come up with our main topics. See, whenever you guys come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's 100% free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campius Show. With that down, Chris, what is our first main topic today? This first one comes from Vincent Gabriel. Mangdang Omega? Did I butcher that completely? John and crew, I have been really excited to see Easter Sunday, but I've also been a bit nervous about it because the trailers haven't been nearly as funny as I'm used to seeing Joe Koi be. And Thursday's show, you mentioned you were going to see it, but I didn't see an out-of-the-theater review for it. <laughs> did you end up seeing it? And if so, what did you think? Salamat. All right. You're Thanks a lot, uh, uh, Salamat, uh, Vince. Appreciate that. Yep. Went to go see Joe Coy's <laughs> Easter Sunday. Now, just a little bit of context here. I, by a mile, believe Joe Coy is the funniest, singularly, the funniest man in America. He has been my favorite stand-up comic for a number of years now. Now, granted, I have married into a Filipino family. So, I mean, a lot a lot of his humor hits a little bit better for me just because I'm, I'm in a Filipino family. But still, I absolutely think he is the best stand-up comic on today. And I think he's the funniest man alive. And so they showed us a preview for Easter Sunday at CinemaCon. And it wasn't so good. I mean, the, the it was just a trailer they showed us, but the trailer wasn't great. But Joe Coy came out to do the presentation of it, and Joe Coy slayed yeah. when he was out on stage live, like at CinemaCon. It was crazy good, but the trailer did not look great. So I go in to watch this new comedy movie of my favorite comedian, the guy I think is the funniest man alive, and my wife, Anne, who is Filipino, broke out her Filipino flag jacket, and, you know, oh, we all no. so we went down there to go watch oh, it. Oh, no. <laughs> it is the worst oh, movie of the year. no. It's the worst movie of the year. And, and listen, there's nothing offensively bad about it. It is just the pure absence of anything good. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's... Let's go, Filipinos! <laughs> it, 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 you got it. It, it is... So unfunny <laughs> and like nothing. And this is coming from the guy, which really shows you there's a difference in mediums. There's a difference between super being the funniest guy in the world when you're standing on stage and it's you, a spotlight and a microphone, which he is. And then trying to translate into that into the movies. It, it's not easy, but it's also like the worst constructed movie I've seen in years. Like there's like eight or nine different subplots. I, Rob, I was telling you before the show started, I couldn't tell you what this movie's about. Like, a good movie, I can tell you what it's basically about in 30 seconds. I can't do that with this movie because there's like eight or nine subplots going on. And you, I never know which one is the main important one. It's and, like, give me the elevator pitch. How many floors do you got? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then in the middle of it, they have like a four-minute car chase scene. I mean, what does this have to, anything to do with the movie? Like, if they had stuck to two main plots, which is... You know, Joe Coy, he's got a son and he's a little bit detached from his son because he's never there for his son and him and his son, because he, he's it's a, he's divorced. Mm -hmm. So him and his son are going up to a Northern California city where all of his Filipino family live and where his, his mother lives to go and spend Easter Sunday there. So, and then if you set up the comparison 
and the juxtaposition of the issue he has with his overall family with him as a son versus the issue he has with his own son as a father, there could have been something really sweet there. But they have a mobster subplot. They have a food truck subplot. They have a stolen, I won't say what the items are because it's a big MacGuffin, a stolen set, a thing subplot. They have a this subplot and then a TV show subplot. And then like, it's just, it's all these different things. And I'm just watching this movie and I'm like, they, they never figured out what is this movie actually supposed to be? What's our, what's our direction? What's the, the heart of this movie? And they never were able to come down to it. And they just figured whatever it's Joe Coy. He's going to make it hilarious. And I get thinking that because it is Joe Coy. He is the funniest man alive, but this movie's terrible. It, it's absolutely terrible, and I really hope that if and when Joe Coy does another movie, he's paired with some really solid filmmaker to really like rein it in and and give him some focus. Because again, again, I don't just think it was the worst film of the year. I think it might be the worst film I've seen in the last two or three years. Wow, it's it's really that bad. In a world where Morbius exists, this is worse. I can tell you this. In a heartbeat, I would go to watch Morbius again before watching Easter what? Sunday again. I mean, do you think it's it's indicative of the fact that they released a movie called Easter Sunday in August? <laughs> I mean, like maybe. I mean, I mean I, I'm still perplexed by this. But I, I'm yeah. gonna t I'm gonna tell you the truth. I'm gonna tell you the truth. When I get really uncomfortable watching something because it's really bad, I'll close my eyes for a second, with without any hyperbole, without any exaggeration. My eyes were probably closed for about forty minutes of this movie. Because it's my favorite comedian. And I'm just like, I can't watch. I, it was bad enough that I had to hear it. But I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. It's 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 that bad. Yes, a million times, yes, I would watch Morbius again. Dang. 20 times I would watch Morbius wow. again wow. before watching that, this movie. That sucks because getting comedies into theaters, let alone comedies like this, right? Where we're having such a wonderful, diverse cast telling their own stories. This is a really big bummer to hear because I want comedies to thrive theatrically. I want to go see a comedy on the big screen and, and have my, the best time. It's my favorite comedian oh. doing Filipino stuff. So I don't know if Tito Sonny and Tito Tony are going to disown me now. <laughs> I like So I, I go in there fully biased, fully biased, ready to love this movie and call it the greatest comedy in mm -hmm. the past five years. And I, I just, it's so disappointing. Anyway, Guys, question is for you. Did any of you had a chance to run out and see, unfortunately, Easter Sunday? If so, what did you think? Maybe you thought it was great. That's Listen, that's the beautiful thing about movies, man. The subjectivity of it. Maybe you watched it and it really hit you the right way and you had a great time. I hope that you did. I am jealous. I wish I did too. Whatever your guys' thoughts on the movie are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys. Before we move into the next main topic, let's take a second and thank one of the sponsors of today's episodes, the great folks over at Peacock and their new series, The Resort. We want to take a second and thank the sponsor of this video, Peacock's new series, The Resort. In Peacock's must-see new series, there's more than just trouble in paradise. There's a flip phone, a disappearance, and a suspiciously timed hurricane. The Resort, a new Peacock original from the creators of Palm Springs and Mr. Robot, is an unexpected exploration of how love, marriage, and family can be a real trip. When a couple finds an old flip phone in the jungle on an anniversary getaway, they are unknowingly pulled into an unsolved mystery, a bizarre case that went cold 15 years prior when a once-in-a-century storm wiped away all the 
the evidence. This journey through the Mayan Riviera will take you from the edge of your seat to the depths of human experience and back again. Starring William Jackson Harper, Kristen Milioti, Luis Gerardo Mendez, and Nick Offerman, the resort is streaming now only on Peacock. And thank you to our friends at Peacock and their new series, The Resort, for sponsoring this episode of The John Campius Show. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number two. Chris, what is our second main topic today? This one comes from Ryan H. Hey, John, I saw an article reporting that Kevin Spacey has been ordered to pay the producers of House of Cards over $30 million because his conduct negatively affected the show. Do you think this will set a precedent for other actors and scandals? I'm thinking specifically about the Ezra Miller situation. If the movie comes out and doesn't do all that well, can WB sue them for that? What are your thoughts? Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in, Ryan. And this is fascinating. It, it really is fascinating because the implications of what has happened here could, could be limited, but they could be very far-reaching. So here's the basic gist of it. We've known for years, you know, Kevin Spacey, all the, the horrible, tremendously awful allegations against him, courts have ruled against him, all this kind of stuff. Now, there was a situation where the producers of House of Cards, which was, by the way, at least for the first couple of seasons, like fabulous must-watch TV. House of Cards was awesome for a while. But an arbitrator ruled a couple of years ago that Kevin Spacey, because of his conduct and things that he did, he hurt the show and that he had to pay them 30-something million dollars. Well, they tried to challenge that arbitrator's ruling, went to court, and it didn't work out. This comes to us from the folks over at Variety who write the following. MCR, this is the production company behind House of Cards, had argued that Spacey owed them millions in lost profits because his misconduct forced them to remove him from the sixth season of the show, and it had to trim se the season from 13 episodes to eight. Ruling in the producer's favor, the arbitrator, uh, the arbitrator found that Spacey's behavior constituted a material breach of his agreement as an actor and executive producing agreements. Now, that then went on. The new news about all this is, is that a court has upheld that. And he's got to pay them $31 million. And you're right. This is fascinating because it raises the question about if let's go back to the Army Hammer thing. Like they were doing Death on the Nile and then all of a sudden they couldn't promote it for a long time as they tried to figure out what do we do with the whole Army Hammer angle. And then finally they get around to deciding, you know what, we're going to release it. Um, we're going to, we're going to put it out and they, they drop some trailers, whatever, but it raises the question now, could retroactively Fox go after army hammer and say, listen, we probably would have made 50 million more dollars on this movie. If you hadn't done what you did and hurt us, I'm not saying they can, I'm not saying they will. I'm just now with this ruling with Spacey, it makes me wonder with the Ezra Miller situation, you know, Warner brothers is dedicated to releasing this movie. We'll talk more about that later. But if they do, can they? are they already with their legal team getting ready to go, no matter how much money this movie makes, we're going to say, you know, this movie could have made $200 million more. So, uh, Mr. Ezra Miller, we are suing you for $80 million or whatever because we believe your off-screen shenanigans affected our profitability on this movie. Again, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I'm not even telling you that's what should happen. I'm just saying with this ruling here that the producers of that show can say, yeah, Kevin Spacey, because of your misconduct and because of your controversies, that hurt us because of you. We got hurt and therefore we're going to see you. 
and the judge has found in their favor. That's interesting. Rob, you see this situation. What are the first things that jump to your mind? Well, I mean, it's it's precedent, you know, yeah. so now suddenly there's precedent set. And it, it makes me wonder, like, when you're now negotiating deals, if you did something 20 years ago that it comes out after you filmed a movie, like, you know, Kevin Spacey harassed Anthony Rapp at a party when Anthony Rapp was 14 years old. And that was what the cascade of allegations that came down on him after that. Does that mean that you're now going to be beholden to a production company for something you might have done 20 years before you were in that production company's employ? Well, like, now remember, there were, I mean, in this specific case, you're talking about precedent. There are also allegations that he was groping oh, like, yeah. people uh, on, on uh, set uh, of uh, the show. Oh, no, too. Yeah. Of, of course, of course, absolutely. But then now, I mean, I, I, I'm just curious from a SAG point of view or a contract, a contractual point of view. Are you going to have to put some kind of a morals clause in anyone's contract that says, while you are working on this project, from the time we begin pre-production to the time this movie is released or whatever, you, your behavior is now, you're beholden to this project. Those exist. I mean, yeah, I, and I find... I, uh, I know for a fact Disney started putting some of those yep. in their contracts after the James Gunn situation. Yeah, mm -hmm. oh, absolutely. And I, I think that you kind of, you have to. You have to. Because, and it, you have to because of the Kevin Spacey thing, because of the Ezra Miller thing. If someone's going to spend $200 million, and House of Cards was not a cheap show to make. I'm not saying it cost $200 million, but a movie like The Flash, you got to have to cover your bets. You, you have to be able to say, look, we, we're putting you front and center and gambling $200 million of our company's money, of our shareholders' money. And, and we have to make sure that you're on the straight and narrow, buddy. And I think you're going to have to do that from now on. Chris, you hear about this. What are the parts that stand out to you the most? I mean, jumping off of what Rob was saying here, too, we have had those clauses right before of with uh, Disney, Nickelodeon, Hallmark in particular, right? Any um, religiously affiliated uh, filmmaking company, too. There are morals clauses in there. There's family values clauses a lot of times where you've seen comedians take a break from doing their sets. We don't <laughs> see them at Flappers as much because they're on a <laughs> Disney show at the time and they can't say their usual jokes, right? So I feel like that's something that's going to be in a lot more contracts moving forward not just those family-friendly kind of clauses, but just companies in general. Your superhero project, you are a reflection of this company, right? And that's true with any job. You are a reflection of the company you work for. And as we know, it takes a village to make a film, right? It's not just the performers. There's so many more people there. But for your average movie-going audience, the face of a film is what they associate with the production. Mm -hmm. So if you are poorly reflecting that company, and that's who the common person associates with that. You know, you see this face and pair it up with WB. You've got to make sure that you are not doing things that jeopardize the company. Now, I, I want to bring up something because I think it's, I'm bringing up this one comment in the live chat because I think there are probably many people who are thinking this as well saying, and they basically said in the live chat, I don't like this precedent because unless they're found guilty of something, you're talking about ruining people and suing people off of allegations. Well, in this particular situation with Kevin Spacey, he was found guilty exactly. in, a number, right. in, a, in a number of things and ruled against a number of things. So that that is that. Now, that makes it a little bit different than the Ezra Miller situation, whereas of right now, there hasn't been – he hasn't been found guilty of anything in any court. So, I, I mean, there is a little bit of that. But if you're talking about you don't like this situation, it, it is exactly what you're describing. So there has been what, some precedent set. Yes. It's going to be interesting, though. When you say morals clauses, I mean, there's a wide berth. Kevin Spacey actually – did something to another human being. Exactly. Yeah. What if you told bad jokes, like did something in bad taste, like through a party where you dressed up as a priest and there were girls and like well, James again, Gunn? It, like, like they just brought you... up in the live chat. It's like, 
is this just you did anything or is this you get found by a by a ruling body by a court you get found liable for something like i think there probably has to be a threshold of that in yeah there. Absolutely. absolutely right i mean i i know for a fact i've had a talk with my manager of that disney exec has seen your stand-up but oh okay <laughs> that's fair for certain kinds of roles right i didn't get canceled but it was yeah, we're not going to have you be the plucky teen girl because you had a lot of abortion jokes online. And I was like, oh, well, okay, that's fair. You know, you make decisions as a performer. Now, do I think that that should keep you from working ever because you've told a specific type of joke? If it's something that is hurt people, marginalized people, if you physically have put hands on somebody, these are the things that a court of law have found you guilty of doing. Then, yeah, I think you're responsible for shutting production down if that's the way things played out. Anyway, guys, this is, again, I just think it's fascinating that this ruling was made because, you know, what implications could we see moving forward? I really don't know what the limitations or the extent of it could be. What do you guys think about this? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number three. Chris, what is our third main topic today? This one comes from Beta Ray Phil. <laughs> I'll admit that I thought you were crazy when you said that Warner was still going to release The Flash, but I guess you were right. In the WB Discovery call, they confirmed they were still releasing it and were actually, quote, excited about it. With all the Ezra drama, I find it weird they'd keep The Flash when other projects like Batgirl get the axe. What do you think about this movie, and do you think they could change their mind at some point and still scrap it? All right, thanks a lot for saying that in, Bayreville. <laughs> Great username, by the way. Right? Um, yeah, so we are going to talk more about the, the WB stuff, because a, a lot came out a lot in that WB investor call yesterday, that, and we have a lot of ground to cover. But yeah, one of the things that they affirmed is something that they already said a couple of weeks ago we talked about on this show, is that they are committed to releasing The Flash. They're going to be releasing it. Now, let's before I talk about my perspective on this, let's actually go and, and read the quote here. This comes to us from Variety, write the following. The Flash movie starring Ezra Miller is still a go, despite the actor's numerous scandals this year. We have seen The Flash, Black Adam, and Shazam 2, said Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslav during the company's Q2 earnings call on Thursday. We are very excited about them. We've seen them. We think they are terrific, and we think we can make them even better. So that's where this is all coming from, is that they said, listen, we've seen this movie. We think Andy Muschietti did a fantastic job making this movie. We think this is a movie we can be proud of, like quality-wise. quality, quality wise, We believe this is a movie we can be proud of, and we're going to put out. Now, just we've said this a couple of times in, in the last couple of days, but because you bring it up, it's like you thought, like, wow, you think they would cancel that since they canceled things like Batgirl. Remember, and we're going to get more into this in the next topic, but the reason they canceled Batgirl, pulled the plug on Batgirl, was because of the quality of the film. And we're going to get into that in a second that they believe that it is would be damaging to the public's perception of the quality of DC films if they put it out, as opposed to just scrapping it and taking the tax write down. That is a different situation with The Flash. They didn't cancel Batgirl because Leslie Grace failed to tip a waitress at the local Applebee's. They didn't pull the plug on it because one of the directors, you know, kicked a baby seal in the face while walking along the beach. They canceled it because... It wasn't up to their standards of quality. They didn't think it was good enough to put out. They thought, we want to rehabilitate how the public sees the quality of our movies, and Batgirl works against that, so we're canceling it. Well, again, we'll get that in a second. 
But that is not the case with the Flash movie. With the Flash movie, it's we actually think this is a good movie and we think people are going to enjoy this movie and therefore we're going to release this movie. There's a couple things to keep in mind here. Number one is that, remember, this is something that the new ownership of Warner Brothers has inherited. This movie was made and shot prior to the current ownership coming in and taking over Warner Brothers. This was done. They didn't, the current leadership did not hire Ezra Miller. They didn't hire him. They didn't make that. They, that was that. He was in it. The Ezra stuff has been so disturbing to me because I have been well-documented for a long time. This going back a couple of years, ever since he first choked that girl outside of the nightclub, I, I have been screaming. Now, this is when they were under the old leadership. I've been screaming, you got to address this. Like, you, you, like what are you doing? How, like, and I've been very, very frustrated over the years. So now here comes the new ownership of Warner Brothers. They're inheriting this problem. The movie is done. It's shot. Whatever. I can completely see, you ask at the end of your question, is this something they could change their mind of? Yes. It's totally something they could change their mind about. If more stuff comes out about Ezra and he gets found guilty of some crimes in a court and maybe things get worse, I could totally see Warner Brothers then going, yeah, you know what? It does. Oh, at this point, it almost doesn't matter how good the movie is. We're going to pull the plug. I guarantee you this, though. Ezra Miller will never be the Flash again. I guarantee it. I guarantee you they have already fired Ezra Miller. I 100% guarantee it. But they will not publicly announce that until after they put their movie out and try to get back. It's much like the old Warner Brothers playbook, right? Like Ben Affleck was out as Batman, but they went out there at Comic-Con, keep pretending like Ben Affleck was still going to be Batman, even though they wouldn't because they don't want the bad PR to whatever. So they're like, you know what? I 100% guarantee 100% guarantee you, Ezra Miller's already done. He's done. But right now, they've got this movie, this $200 million movie that is done, shot, nothing they can do about it, and they're going to release it and try to make as much money as they can on it, put on home video, and then they are going to move on from Ezra Miller. And so this is a situation where, as a company that's inherited the problem, I can see going either way. I could totally see scrapping it, but, Rob, you and I have both said before, you put this movie in theaters. If it's as good as they're saying it is, because Andy Muschietti is a very good director. If this movie's as good as it is, even with whatever scandal, bare minimum, bare minimum, this movie makes $275 million. Oh, yeah. Bare minimum. And then you put it on streaming and then you move on and you move forward without it. So I am okay with this. If I was in the boardroom of Warner Brothers right now and they asked John, should we just scrap the movie or should we run with it? I would honestly say it's a coin toss. We've got over $200 million wrapped up in this. It is a good product. As a product, it goes towards our overall goal of trying to create the impression with the general public that the quality of our films are good. So this is in line with our philosophy. But at the same time, Ezra's an embarrassment. It could hurt us. I mean, I, I honestly think it's a coin toss. Rob, if you're in that room and they say, look, here's all the pros, here's all the cons, here's our situation. Robert Meyer Burnett is the new, you know, chair of our, of our release committee. Way we have go, a release honey. committee Thanks, as the new chair. <laughs> We're buying a new house. Oh, my God. What do we do? Do we scrap the film? Do we release it? What do you think? First of all, you know what? The, the, the public has a very short memory. 
And most moviegoers don't even know Ezra Miller's travails. We report it because it's entertainment news or whatever, but most people don't care. And in a year from now, people aren't, unless he ends up killing somebody or killing himself or something horrible happens, nobody will even remember the Ezra Miller scandal except us that talk on the internet. Nobody will care. So there's enough time, it won't matter. If the movie comes out, I love that Flash movie. That's all anybody's going to care about. So I would say, yes, if they know that this product is already good, you just let time pass, which they are doing. I mean, they'll, and they say they're going to even make it better. They're probably adding more effects or whatever they're going to do. Yeah, well, 20% more effects. 20% more effects. (laughs) Deals, deals, deals. He runs even faster now. Um, I I think that that it'll be fine. When this comes out, if the movie's great, like you say, John, winning cures everything. If this movie comes out and it's good, people will be fine. I would lock up Ezra Miller until then. You know, the studio put, (laughs) find him a nice place, a nice mountain retreat. Make sure he gets all the, the goodies he needs. Just put him up there, sequester him away. Here, buddy, uh, just, just why don't you just chill out for a while? Just no, no going put to Put a Hawaii. tracking device on his ankle. Yeah, no one, you're not going to visit anybody. Just just chill out. And 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 here, otherwise, we're going to sue you for $31 million, like Kevin Spacey. You know, I mean, that's, but I would, I, I would, they don't have to say that, but I would if I was in charge of Warner Brothers. I would say, dude. But I think seriously, in all seriousness, if the movie's good, enough time will go by. Why not release it? especially if it's good. If it's along the lines, uh, and we'll talk about this, they were very clear. Zaslav was very, very clear about his plan, especially with the DC movies moving forward. And and he flat out said, these three movies that we have coming out, they're all good. He didn't mention Aquaman, probably because it's not far enough along where it's... Let me ask you this question. I, I believe, and I could be wrong, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt myself that to Warner Brothers, Ezra Miller's already fired. Like, he'll never be Flash again. Sure. Do you think there's any chance he's Flash again? No. No, because why take the risk? Because, you, you, you know, you, you now, it's, it's, not just, it's not just your post. When you make a movie like this, you've got two years of time. You've got pre-production. Why bet on somebody who's already proven to be erratic? I mean, there, movies, every movie itself is a gamble. But if you have to gamble on your star in addition to gambling on the movie being good, why, why do that? Why, why open yourself up to that? There's no reason when you can hire a million other actors that would, would, would make it their life's work to give you the best Flash movie you could. They would stay on the straight and narrow. If you told it, there are actors, if you said, listen, while you're making this movie, you're going to stay in a hotel room and you can't leave that hotel room until this film is all the way through post and gets released. Yeah, you're there drinking are water and eating like, saltines for the next six yeah. months. You're <laughs> done. Sign me up. <laughs> Hell because, yeah. Uh, we, we, will, we will keep you at the whatever apartments. They, they, they changed the name, but there was, a, there was apartments right up the street from Warner Brothers. The Oak Oakhurst. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. People, people used to stay there all the time. You're stuck there for two years. The Oakhurst orgies. The, oh, yeah, the Oakhurst. <laughs> was that what it was? Yeah. Just you're stuck. <laughs> and there are, many, there are many actors that would be like, fine. Yep. Do you know, it. Why? It, it, there's too much money riding on these things, and 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 there's too many people that would be bend over backwards to give you the best performance and to, to be on the straight and narrow. And we'll find those people. Chris, I, I mean, apparently they're holding to their line that they're releasing this movie. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to put the same question to you that I put to Rob. You're in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're part of the committee. And they come to you for your perspective and your vote on this. I, I don't, what do you think would have been the right thing for them to do? First here? of all, I'd be like, wow, so you guys made this movie. That's <laughs> well, interesting. It's actually real. I never <laughs> believe really it. That's really fascinating. Wow. 
bully for you. Um, well, first of all, I, I just, we all know that Ezra's not coming back. That's, yeah. that's just plain and simple. They're not featured in the Shazam trailer. It's the only Justice League character who you can't see their face. And sure, yep. they're running real fast, but there's a reason why that happened. So Ezra's done. We all know that. Ezra's probably not even going to be at the premiere of this film, should it No premiere. way they're going to let him be That's at the premiere. That's not going to happen. I, I just don't, I'll be, they're me, not invited. Let me change that. I, I'll be shocked if, he, if they allow him to be I at the I would premiere. be floored if they showed up. So that's all there. I stand by what I said yesterday when we were talking about this. If you are going to use phrases such as we need films that reflect the integrity of our brand, we got to be real specific with that language then. Because right now, Ezra Miller does not reflect the integrity of your brand, Warner Brothers. And we'd have a big talk about that because, yes, we are waiting for people to forget about this. And I understand the common movie going audience isn't talking about this. I'm very much in a bubble. I hang out with you guys. My friends are all in the film industry, whether it's in production or even on the back end, right, for scheduling or tech. My mom doesn't know about this stuff. And every now and then it's, oh, yeah, didn't they throw a chair at somebody or something like that? You know, it's not something that's at the forefront of her mind. But she does know that a superhero movie is supposed to come out at some point. Yeah. You know, so I do wish, really wish that Warner Brothers would say something about this. I don't think that this has been the right move to continually sweep everything under the rug and just say, no, we're going forward. This movie's coming out. And it's real great, by the way, because even though this movie sounds like it's supposed to be superb, it really does just rub me the wrong way that no one has said anything about this behavior i i the thing about me on this though because i i felt that way for a very very long time but at after soul and i believe it was a tremendous mistake for those two years that nobody said anything yeah. about it but at some point like as you get further and further and further and further down the line now the question because okay so the movie's done it's it's canned we've got a release date it's upcoming if I'm in that boardroom at this point, I say, well, number one, we should have said something a couple of years ago. But at this point, there's no benefit to us saying anything. That's fair. It's just the, because of the behavior escalating, I, I feel, I is the reason why it's just, oh, I, and I understand it's not the studio's responsibility to apologize for someone else's behavior. It's just that language has rubbed me the wrong way, especially when we've seen very, very public trials and studios weighing in on other people who are part of the WB family. You know what I mean? Right. But again, like a lot of people bring up the Johnny Depp situation, right? The, there is a massive difference in the Johnny Depp situation. Oh, absolutely. They hadn't started shooting the movie yet. Mm -hmm. They took him off a movie that they hadn't started shooting yet. Like with Ezra, the thing, the movie had been shot. I mean, so it's it, again, I'm not saying there's a clear answer to this. I'm just saying I think it's it's convoluted. I, I just think it's complicated. And I could see them, too. Like right now, I'm OK with them releasing this movie and makes business sense all that kind of stuff. But I also won't be surprised and I wouldn't have any problem with it if at some point down the line they decided, you know what? More stuff is coming to light about Ezra Miller. It's gotten even worse and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, now we're going to pull the plug. Plus, we never filmed this to begin with. So. Plus, you know, we never actually, <laughs> yeah. this has been the big lie. This is, <laughs> anyway, guys, question is for you. They've decided that this movie's good, so we're going to put it out. We believe it actually contributes to increasing the public's belief in how good our movies are. So they're going to release it. Good idea, bad idea, whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. Before we move on to the next topic here today, we want to take a second and thank another sponsor of today's video. Folks, I have worked with a lot in the past. I love this service. The good folks over at Storyblocks. We want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of today's video, Storyblocks. Guys, I have been an enthusiastic fan and user of Storyblocks 
for years. I go to them whenever I'm in need of content creation assets like royalty-free music, video clips, or templates for my creative projects, ranging anywhere from little editorial videos to my very own full feature documentary. Storyblocks helps you bring your stories, videos, and projects to life without sacrifices due to time, budget, or access to resources. They have over 1 million different story assets, ranging from stock videos, audio and music, an in-browser video editor, and they feature pre-designed templates, animations, and outros. Storyblocks uses an affordable subscription model, and their unlimited access plans offers, well, unlimited video and audio downloads rather than a costly pay-per-clip model. With Storyblocks, you'll be able to create more content and, more importantly, better content, all while using a subscription plan that fits your budget, utilizing unlimited downloads of demand-driven and diverse content. So if you're interested in upping your content creation game, head over to www.storyblocks.com slash campia and get started today. That's www.storyblocks.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Storyblocks for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number four. Chris, what is our fourth main topic today? Our fourth? I thought we were on the fifth. Oh, okay. Alex Wynn. Hey, John. With all the reporting and guessing going around about why WB acts back, Axe Batgirl, it seems you guys and the New York Post were right. It just wasn't good enough, according to David Zaslav. In the studio investors presentation, Zaslav said they just didn't believe in the film and they won't release films they don't believe in. Do you think this is the right philosophy for a big studio to have? Thanks. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, Alex. And yeah, listen, when, when the news first came down, the very first people to report the story of, of the movie getting axed, it was the New York Post. They were the first one to report it. And they quoted saying that the, I think it was irredeemable. Was that the word? I, I yeah, can't they, remember the exact wording they after used. After test screenings. Uh, then we heard some other outlets report that, yeah, we have talked to people that said the same thing. I reached out to some people on the inside and said, yeah, it really was that bad. Then there was some contrary reporting going around that, well, I think Deadline said, well, our sources said it wasn't that bad. Um, and, and some other things That's as well. That's a sounding vote of confidence. So, and then when WB put out their official statement the other day, it just basically said canceling it back or reflects our, our, a change of direction we're taking DC. So even that didn't really give us clear answers. So David Zaslav did give a clear answer now. In the Investor's Day's call yesterday, he kind of laid it out about why exactly that movie got suspended or chopped or axed of Zaslav as it is. This comes to us from the report over at Variety, and they wrote the following. David Zaslav said, we are not going to launch a movie until it's ready, Zaslav said during a Q&A portion of the call when asked directly about Batgirl getting the axe. We are not going to launch a movie to make a quarter. And I want to talk about that statement in a second. We're not going to launch a movie to make a quarter. And we are not going to put out a movie unless we believe in it. I mean, that's it. We did not believe in this movie. We watched it. We, put, we gave extra money to it. They made some changes to it as they were producing. They changed direction a couple of times trying to bring this to be something that we feel good about and that we feel we can put out and put our brand label on it. And we just don't believe in this movie, period. And all I can say is, this is the type of leadership that we as film fans are always saying we want in our studio heads. 
when, you know, Jonathan, fact checker Jonathan, producer Jonathan was saying before the show, it's like a movie like Morbius comes out and all the fans are asking, how could they put that out? That was terrible. How on earth, all the fans rightfully asking, how could you put that out? That movie was terrible. You knew it was terrible. How could you put that movie out? So now we've got a studio that says, you know what? We're looking at this. Yeah, we put a lot of money into it. We got a lot of money tied up in this movie, but it is not something that we believe in. And they pull the plug on it. And then the same fans who went, how could you put out Morbius? They're not going, how could you not put out Batgirl? Because it wasn't good enough to put in front of their fans. It wasn't good enough. And I get it. Those of us who have been fans of DC movies and, and, and Warner Brothers for a long time, We've just been accustomed to, well, they'll just put out whatever they got. And change is uncomfortable. But now we've got leadership in a studio that is actually saying, nah, we don't believe in this movie. Yeah, we poured money into it. Yes, we're going to take a hit. But our fans deserve better. The DC brand deserves better. The fans who are going to pay money to come see the movies we put out deserve better. The fans who are going to take their time out of their day to sit down and click on HBO Max, they deserve better. A, sh a good chef worth his weight, if he sees that a ribeye steak is not done properly, he is not going to let that go out to the customer. A good chef, and we've seen, you know, if you watch a lot of the cooking shows like we do, I, you, you see it happen. You see, that is not something that we can give to the customer. That's going to hurt our reputation. It's going to give the customer a bad experience. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. By the way, can we, let's bring up that quote graphic again. Sure. Because in this quote is a not so veiled shot at former Warner Brothers CEO, Kevin Sujahara. <laughs> Kevin Sujahara. Actually, bring it back on me for a second. Let me set the context. You guys remember <laughs> back when Justice League was getting ready to come out? And Joss Whedon and the other filmmakers and producers pleaded with Warner Brothers to give them more time because it had a November 17th release date and they pleaded for more time to make the movie proper. And the report came out. I believe it was the rap that gave the report that Kevin Sujahara refused to give them more time because the movie had to come out before the end of the year because it reflected his final bonus check that he was getting. Personal gain. So with that in mind... Listen to this shot that David Zaslav gets. Let's bring up that quote again. We are not going to launch a movie to make a quarter. And he's not talking about one-fourth of a dollar. He's talking about <laughs> the, the fiscal quarter. Yeah. We are not. I mean, the old Warner Brothers, they did that. We ain't. We're not going to put out a movie just to make a quarter. We're not going to put out a movie just because, oh, well, this, well, this will give us a little bit of a bump in our financials for the quarter report. No, we're not going to do that. The old leadership did shit like that. And that's why DC right now, right or wrong, fair or unfair, is perceived by the general movie going audience as being second class movies compared to Marvel. We ain't doing that shit anymore. We're not going to do it. And if our product isn't good enough, we are not going to put it in front of our audience. And you know what this reminds me of? You guys ever seen the show Bar Rescue? You ever seen that show Bar Rescue? <laughs> yeah. That's what this situation is. It's like a bar goes, you know what? We're not succeeding. We're not, we're not succeeding. We need somebody to come in and make us succeed. The bar says that? 
Well, yeah, well, the one, of the owners, yeah one of the owners of the bar. I think. The bar itself speaks like the great trash heap in, in Fraggle Rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need some more help. No. So the bar and the nice owners of the reference. bar, they go, we need some help because we're not doing as well as we should be doing. Let's bring in somebody. So this guy comes in, right? So he comes in. And he's like, okay, great. You you want to change because you want to be more successful. Yes, please change things. All right. Well, and if you've ever watched Bar Rescue, he'll say he'll say something. All right. Well, the first thing you do, you got to take that off the menu. You got to change that shine. And as soon as he tries to start changing things, this happens. You're like, what are you talking about? You're disrespecting the way I run this business <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. It's like, listen, fuckhead, if you want things to change, then things are going to have to change. Like you can't, like you can just live your life as a fucking titty tassel all you want. But if you want better results, things have to change. You cannot just keep doing things the way you've done and expect the results to change magically. And that's what this is. David Zaslav is the bar rescue guy. And as soon as he comes in and says, okay, great, we're going to make things better. But to make things better means we have to do things different. And as soon as he starts to do things different, everybody gets uncomfortable. <gasps> right? And I get it. That, if that happens to all of us, that happens to me. Change is uncomfortable. But um, yeah, so, I got to so tell you. Titty tassels. <laughs> <laughs> titty tassels can be uncomfortable. But I mean, it's. It, it, I, listen, I get it. I can sound like I am a David Zaslav fanboy. And if the reason I sound, if I do sound like a David Zaslav fanboy, it's because. He is doing everything that we've been saying for years we wanted studios to do. There was even one moment in the call, Rob, where I believe it was the CFO. It was around 52 minutes, 30 second mark of the investor call, where I think it was the CEO, a CFO. I might be wrong about that, but they basically said this too. They said, you know what? We just don't see the economic case for making a $100 million movie that's made to go direct to streaming. Nope. We don't see, the, we don't see how that can be successful. If you make those movies and you put them out theatrically, then they will have more value when they go to streaming. Gosh. Wow, Rob. <laughs> if only somebody else. Wow, only John. A couple of other people have been saying that for a couple of years. I mean, that's one of the basic premises of this show. That a theatrically released film gains value it wouldn't otherwise have. We've been saying that for years. And, and that's why when we start talking about where if Warner Brothers good. is now, if it's good, if it's good. That's why when we talk about Warner Brothers right now, I get really excited because they're doing all these things that we've been saying for years we wish the studio would do. And here they are. Now, listen, things could go south. They could put out the flash and then not fire Ezra Miller. And then my tune is going to change real quick on that. Or the movies they put out are complete crap or whatever. I just love what they're doing. And I love that Zaslav came out and said, look, stop the speculation. You want to know why Batgirl got chopped? It's because we don't believe in it and we are not going to serve up to a long-suffering DC movie fan base something that is not worthy of them. We are not going to do it. The old regime might have done it, but we're not. Anyway, Rob, you, you hear these quotes and everything coming from here. What's your well, take on it? One of the things I love about this situation in general is, you know, William Goldman in his famous book, Adventures in the Screen Trade, said, in Hollywood, nobody knows anything. And that's sort of been sort of a guiding principle. And, and my whole career, such as it is, it is in the entertainment business, I've always heard that. But that is true. The people that are truly successful in this business, they do know something. And if you look at producers like, I don't know, Jerry Bruckheimer, you know, the guy was producing American Gigolo and Thief and Cat People and Flashdance and Beverly Hills Cop early in his career. 
He's one of the most successful producers of all time. Tom Cruise. Whether you like Tom Cruise or not, that man has managed his career. Yeah. When they, during the pandemic, yeah, you are not going to release Top Gun Maverick. Look how that worked out. On streaming. The, on streaming. The people that have, look at Kevin Feige. The man produced 14 Marvel projects before the MCU started, before 2008. I always say 13, but I forget. There's a Man-Thing movie he also produced. <laughs> 14 films. His job in life is producing Marvel movies. And whether you like Phase 4 or not, Doctor Strange, 900 plus million dollars, almost a billion dollars. Thor is closing in on 700 million, whatever. You look at those, and Wakanda Forever is the 30th movie. The people in Hollywood that are successful know their jobs. They're not running around like, oh, we have to get a trailer company to recut Suicide Squad. You know, they're not doing that. And the studio executives, the people that were hired, they're Ivy League educated business people. I get it. I went to Harvard. I went to Yale. I graduated a, a master's in business. What wow, you know? I didn't know all that. I didn't. I, I'm just you saying. You were way more impressive than I <laughs> no, thought. No, no, no. I, I, I didn't. But so they, from a corporate standpoint, they're good hires because they look good on paper. What the hell do they know about making movies? What do they know about storytelling? You know, when I worked at Warner Brothers, and this is a long time ago, but like you had Jim Henson's daughter, Lisa Henson, who was a senior vice president of production. She graduated from like Yale with a degree in comparative mythology. You went into her office. It was full of all kinds of comic books and books. And she knew story, you know, and you could talk to her about these things for, for hours on end. And nowadays, where are all the people that know what they're doing? What David Zaslav is saying, no more of this Mickey Mouse BS. If you're going to come work for Warner Brothers Discovery, you better know your job. You better know what you're going to do. We're going to hire filmmakers that know how to make movies, not people that have done a couple of episodes, TV, music videos, and some commercials. You got to cut your teeth. You got to know. You got to come to the studio and show us that you know how to make movies. And he started with surrounding himself with the best minds in the business because he went out and got the best movie executive of the past 30 years in Alan Horn who shepherded all of Marvel and, and the Disney movies and now he's got him whispering. And Alan Horn will be able to say, here's who you hire. There's like five people that you want to work with. Blah, 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 blah. And they'll go get those people. All this other ridiculousness that goes on is going to end because there's too much money involved. And the great thing about the streaming world is the one thing it's shown is that you can't just throw money at something and expect, like they said on this earnings call, how do you make money at wh where's the, where's the, you made a hundred million dollar movie and you're going to put on streaming. Where's your return? Where is it? And Zaslav come a hundred million. Dude, remember when Terminator two was the only hundred million dollar movie ever made? <laughs> I mean, back in the early nineties, hundred million dollars to make. Oh my God. And they finished it in nine months and get it on the theater. It's a huge hit. Cause it's James freaking Cameron, a hundred million dollars to act like that. Eh, whatever. We'll just throw it on streaming. We're going to make a $220 million movie like the gray man, which could have been made for $10 million. If like Craig Baxley <laughs> directed it, it could have been stone cold too. And it would have been just as much fun. Stone cold, stone cold, bring Bosworth back, bring Lance Henriksen back. There was never a stone cold too. They never brought that character back. You could make that movie and it would be just as successful. I mean, maybe not. That's I'm, I'm, that's hyperbolic. I'm just saying, why are you spending $220 million on a movie and then not, not putting it in theaters? I mean, they did, but not really. It yeah. didn't really. Chris, uh, you, you heard like Zazzle's kind of putting in the speculation. He just come out and he decided to take it head on. Just say, we're not going to put out a movie that we don't believe in. Mm -hmm. Right move. 
wrong move? Should he have left it speculative so people could keep chattering about? I don't know. What do you think about this direction? I mean, I understand him coming out with a strong stance on we are going to have certain standards around here now. And I believe that's a great choice, right? Your movie should tick off certain boxes. That being said, the the bar analogy, right? I know that if I get hair or spit in my drink, that's unacceptable. <laughs> but what if you love a lemon drop and I think that's disgusting and too sugary and I just want a Lagavulin neat? You know, that's why I married you. (laughs) Film is subjective, right? So that's my concern here. And I I don't mean to be a fly in the ointment on this one, but that's my only concern is I don't love the idea of executives telling me what the standard of a good movie is. Now, that might not be what they're doing, but it just feels like that's a possibility of this is the kind of movie we make. And it leaves a little less wiggle room for different tastes, different auteurs to come in. And so far, it seems like that's what's worked, though, right? Bringing in auteur filmmakers like Matt Reeves. And I'm hoping that having that standard doesn't detract from different different views on film, different flavors, if you will, right? That's the only thing that makes me a little uneasy here about things that don't meet this level don't get to go to film, like right. go to theaters. But you look at a situation like Marvel. They do that. The president of Marvel, he decides singularly mm-hmm. what is good enough for us to put out and what is not good enough to put out. And it's worked pretty well for them. For sure. And we're about to get into some of that too, of yes. the plan and everything. But that's that's the only thing that makes me go, well. I don't love Suits being in charge of this. But again, I can only come to this from my own experience as a fan as an, as act, and as an actor, you know? I've never been in those rooms, and I'm thankful I don't have to be. But, well, well, I, 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 I was just to say quickly that Suits, though, it's their job to know who to hire. Yeah. That's fair. You know, and, and that's, I think, that the great, the great moguls of yore would know who to put with what project to make sure that it, it's good. And the problem is... The people that are in charge of studios, well, they worked in the, uh, the, the the theme park version of, now they're the head of the studio. Well, what do they know about picking filmmakers to make movies? Mm-hmm. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this whole thing? Warner Brothers CEOs now come out and said, yeah, straight up, we canceled Batgirl because we don't believe in it. I mean, what do you think about that? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comments section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys, with that down, Let's go into our fifth and final main topic today. Chris, what is topic number five? This one comes from Jose Wilson. So during the investors meeting with Warner Discovery today, Big Papa Zaslav confirmed that DC will be following a 10-year plan that is similar to Bob Iger and Alan Horn's 10-year plan that Feige adopted adopted for Marvel. They plan on having a complete reset of the DC universe. By adopting the 10-year plan, what does this mean for The Flash, Aquaman, Shazam, and Black Adam? Let's face it, The Flash doesn't exist. Oh, good guy, Jose. <laughs> but do the rest exist once the 10-year plan is adopted? I'd love to hear your thoughts. By the way, I've been a fan since the AMC days. Oh, love thank the show. you. All right, thanks a lot for saying that in, Jose. And yeah, this to me was the biggest and maybe the most encouraging thing I heard come out of the Investor's Day call. Number one, DC is now its own full-fledged division, which is something for a long time fans have kind of wondered Why isn't DC its own division, just like Marvel is its own division over at Disney? It is now its own division. So that's great. And they already talked about how we are going to have quality standards. We are are not going to put out movies just to make a quarter. We're not going to put out movies before they're ready. And we are certainly not going to put out movies we don't believe in. Now, that doesn't mean that just because they believe in a movie when I see it that I'm going to like it. But at least you got some quality control. And that's important. 
But they also went in to say a couple of very, very key things. We'll read their, co their quote here in a second. But a couple of very, very key things, including they want to get a person in and they're going to formulate a 10-year plan. And that one of the central figures of that plan bum, 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 is going to be Superman. Which we've been saying. Which we have been saying for a long time. Anyway, let's go over and, and see this quote. This comes to us from Yahoo News, who wrote the following. During the presentation, Zaslav repeatedly pointed to the company's DC superhero properties, including Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, as central to the company's broader content strategy. To better marshal those properties, Zaslav cited his previously reported goal of putting together a team with a 10-year plan focusing just on DC, similar to the approach Disney has taken with Marvel Studios as run by Kevin Feige. But he did not announce who would be heading that team yet. These are brands that are known everywhere in the world, he said to the uh, of the DC characters. And as a part of that, we are going to focus on quality. DC is something that we think could make that we can make better, and we are focused on now. We are going to focus on quality. We think that DC is something that we can make even better, and we are going to focus on that now. Okay, I spoke a little bit earlier about that. If it sounds like I'm fanboying a lot over what's going on at Warner Brothers, it is simply because they are doing everything I have been saying for years that I want a studio to do, and they are doing all of it. We have been. How long has everybody been saying? DC, all the fans everywhere have been saying for years that enough of this rotating carousel of who is or isn't in charge of what the DC properties are, like this guy is, then that guy is, then Ben Affleck. Remember when Ben Affleck was for about five minutes and then Jeff Johns was for a second and then Walter Hamada was for a second, but then he just got put into a committee of six other people. And then like enough that everybody has been saying for years, you need somebody in charge there. You need somebody in charge. Him now to say, we are not just going to, we're going to get one person we put in charge and we're going to surround them with a team and we are giving them one exclusive mandate. These iconic, fantastic DC characters and come up with a 10 year plan that we are going to back you on. And it's got to be good. We're not just going to put out shit just for the sake of putting it out. We're not going to put it out because, damn it, we don't have a Christmas of 2023 movie yet. Get into production on something quick. We're not going to do that anymore. The old sheriffs did. We're not. And one of the central figures they made sure to point out was Superman. Now, listen, I'm not going to get ahead of myself and think, confirmed, Henry Cavill is coming back as Superman. For all I know, they're going they're, to, they're like, listen, the other regime they ran it into the ground they they mismanaged this so bad that it's it's too late now for us to bring henry back it's not but maybe they're gonna think that okay so i'm not just gonna base my glee here on the idea of henry cavill coming back as superman but that's possible it is possible he's still on the right side of 40 henry cavill right so he could be it but i'm not, I'm, I'm just letting you know i'm not going to assume that's gonna be henry cavill but just for the fact that they have let the superman character wallow now for years and years with no plan. And now here comes along the studio head saying, you got to build around fucking Superman. You can't have Superman in your stable and leave him in the pen. You, you can't keep Superman on the bench. He's Superman. He also mentioned, of course, the other two members of the, the divine DC Trinity and Batman and Wonder Woman. And of course, they're going to move on from that. So, I, I mean, 
again, Rob, to me, I just get giddy because this is the stuff I've been saying for so long that I want to see. So you're going to have to forgive me if I get kind of stoked about it when I see a studio actually doing it. Rob, a lot of stuff in here. Number one, new team. Number two, we are going to look for a person to put in there. I'm sure that's going to be one of Alan Horn's number one job. He put a little guy called Kevin Feige in there. Um, that ten-year plan focusing on on Superman, Batman. What, a lot of stuff there to digest. What's yeah. your takeaway? Well, first of all, like you, it's very exciting to hear this, but uh, not to be a, a wet blanket. But the problem that he's going to have is who, who you know. I'm I'm like that sounds great. Kevin Feige is a singular figure in in Hollywood. I mean, he started working for Richard Donner, you know, and then he worked on all of these different Marvel movies at different studios. You know, Fox with the X-Men and Daredevil and uh, Ghost Rider and uh, over and Lionsgate, the Punisher and and then Spider-Man. There is no one in Hollywood, I think, no one who is who is equipped right now to run this division, to run DC. Somebody I mean, you could say there's there's a producer like Chuck Roven, who's worked on a lot of the DC titles as a physical, you know, getting movies produced. But there is no DC Kevin Feige. There is nobody out there who's produced a bunch of movies that's also a creative that I think can step into this role to shepherd. And I think that's a big problem. I think it's always been a problem with, for DC. You know, they looked at Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan's going to going to run after the Batman movies, you know, but he's a filmmaker. He's a director. He's not somebody that's going to shepherd the creative direction like Kevin Feige, who who's, grew up a geek, learned the movie business, produced 14 Marvel movies, saw what worked and what didn't work, and then started the MCU. There's nobody like that. And so they can talk about, I think they're talking a good game, but I, I am, I'm, I'm thinking as I rifle through my head, John, who would be that person? Who would, and there isn't one. Well, I, no, there, there is. I there, mean, there is. And, and it, the, the person who can find that person. Now, granted, there's nobody who is that person right now. That's what I mean. But there are many yeah. who can become yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Yes. And if you're going to pick one person who has the responsibility to identify who that person is. Alan Horn's a man. It's yeah. Alan Horn. Alan Horn's a man. And I, I, I'm just saying that there, it's a tall order. It is. It's a tall Absolutely. order. And, and you know, I, I saw a, a Superman movie get made from, from soup to nuts. And it's tough. And I think... That what they need to do is if they're going to start over from scratch, I mean, you've got things like Momoa's greatest Aquaman. Yeah. And you, uh, Cavill is greatest Superman. I think somebody would say, do you start a new universe with a Henry Cavill? You've got Battinson, which that movie's really good. You know, so you've got these vestiges. If they were shaped into a different direction, they could be great. Or do you go from the very beginning and start from scratch? Yeah. So do you build from flat ground? Or do you take some piece, and, and this isn't a rhetorical question. I, I, I'm honestly wondering, do you start from complete flat ground or do you start with a few pieces that do work and then build around those pieces and build a new structure? I don't know what the answer to that is. I, I mean, but that's going to be one of the things that they have to try to figure And you're right. Yeah. It's a very tall order. Because then you, not only do you need a visionary at the top, a creative visionary that has a direction that understands what they want to do, then you have to have the filmmakers. Yeah. To come in and you have to have the screenwriters to write this stuff. And, you know, um, that's a tall order. We've seen these people and, and sometimes you have people and I won't use the name of the franchise, but people that I disagree with their their whole approach to one of my favorite franchises. What you know, about? I, I know. Right. <laughs> you watch these things and you're like, these people get put into place and they're not exactly if you look at the creatives and how it's all working, it's not working. They just it, they, it lurches from side to side or place to place. And who are they going to find? And I'm. I'm hard pressed to even think how many filmmakers do we have left 
that are capable of delivering these kinds of movies. And when you think about it, it's all the it's all the you think about Spielberg and Martin Scorsese and yeah. Christopher Nolan and David Fincher. It's all these guys that that where are the new people. Where's the new blood that you need to do this? I mean, I was happy to see my friends, the Pierce brothers got, they're doing a horror film for screen gems. I'm like, those guys deserve to be doing a lot more than they are. Thank God. But who else are we going to get? Can I throw out a name? This is a name of somebody who has got a bunch of experience as a filmmaker, has been getting more and more involved in producing and, and production and stuff like that, has their own shingle right now. Mm -hmm. And they're certainly not Kevin Feige right now. Matt Reeves. I, I, and and I, I just throw out that. I'm not saying that Matt Reeves is the one and the only guy. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying somebody like a Matt Reeves who, is, who has had success as a storyteller, has had success as a producer, running their own little production shingle, stuff like that. Somebody that maybe Alan Horn could look at and say, this is somebody who's got the right mindset. And I believe they could become that. I mean, it was somebody like that. I don't know. Uh, no, I think that's a great. Well, he, he, he's all. He, apes he already did yeah. one franchise he's yeah. moved over and he's done batman but the thing is like everyone else he's a filmmaker but he's, he's getting film more and more into, into yeah, producing and stuff like he's doing more and more of that right it's, it's true but i still think the great thing about kevin feige is he doesn't have these directing aspirations so he's able to sort of guide things whereas matt reeves i don't think is going to want to stop making movies plus he's a great filmmaker but yeah great you're filmmaker. right i mean if 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 you have a consortium of guys like you know i keep thinking about it's not the same thing, but I keep thinking about propaganda films like back in the in the 90s when you had all you had people like Fincher, Michael Bay, these 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 guys who are making commercials, you know, and they all sort of went off and did things varying degrees of success. That's what that they needed. DC Studios needs that. It needs a, a think tank of like 10 dudes and girls, and new filmmakers and people we haven't seen before. I don't know who those people are. Well, I, and I think that's what Zaslav was referring to, right? Like we need, not only do we need to get somebody to kind of run this, we need to collect. I, I believe the quote was, uh, Zaslav said previously, girl, putting together a team mm -hmm. with all this kind of to work around that one person. So I know, Chris, again, there's, there's a lot to unpack in that, yeah. just that one <laughs> statement. What's your takeaway from it? I mean, the writing was on the wall once Alan Horn came on board, right? We knew a 10-year plan rollout kind of thing was going to happen of, it ain't broke. Like, we know this kind of plan works. Let's apply it here. My big thing with all of this is getting the right people in, getting that right team, building all of that. DC for years has had kind of this purple cow problem, to use a marketing term, where it's just <laughs> been, well, let's do different. Let's do something different. We're going to make it gritty. We're going to be different than Marvel. Oh, we'll be it this way. We'll do that. It's been a lot of spaghetti at the wall, right? And the purple cow method of marketing something being different so that you attract attention, attention being different for the sake of different, it doesn't really work, right? You have to be different and engaging in a way that is remarkable for your audience, right? And I feel like that's been part of the issue here is we haven't always been thinking about the audience and the overall appeal of our films and a cohesive whole. So I'm hoping that with this team, we are thinking about, hey, let's do things that are remarkable but quality. And I think that's where the quality control things are going to come into place. And I'm hoping that we do have that Marvel thing like you were alluding to earlier of we can have different flavors in here, but there is going to be cohesion and there is going to be a standard. That's the hope. So the, and here's the one big question mark, though, as I fanboy out over all these moves and direction that they're doing, because I, they're doing everything so far. Somebody brought up in the live chat yesterday, a very, might have been a live chat, might have been one of the super chat questions, can't remember, but brought up a very, very, very good point, which is, okay, right now Warner Brothers is doing the right things as far as what they're axing, right? 
Let's let's get rid of the stuff that we do not believe in. Let's get let's clear the decks of things that are just costing us money and not making any money. Let's institute quality standards and all that kind of stuff. Okay, love what they're doing so far. Every every move they've done so far to me is the right move. But that's only half the equation. Yeah. Great, you're committed to not putting out crap movies, but are you capable of making great movies? Exactly. That was and a super that, chat. And that was that a super chat. Yeah. Somebody brought that up. And that is going to be ultimately be the multi-billion dollar question. Because so far they're doing all the right things, but it, none of it means anything if they can't put out great content. Mm -hmm. And now, unfortunately, we are two to three years away from finding out if they can do that part. Because a lot of the stuff that's going to come out in the next year or two, this is all stuff that finds its roots under the old regime. And some of it's going to be good. Some of it's going to be bad, whatever. So it's going to be a couple of years, but I mean, all of this that I get so excited about ain't going to be worth anything if at the end of the day, they start putting out movies and they're not good. And so that's what we're going to have to see. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What's your takeaway from all this? Uh, the new ownership is saying, listen, we need a definitive plan. We need to treat characters like Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman as central figures, that the DC characters are incredibly valuable around the world. And they need to be treated with a certain respect, that we're going to have a 10-year plan. We're going to get the proper people in charge. It's a great thing to say. Can they do it? What do you guys think about that? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to now open up the Super Chats because I'm sure you guys got some thoughts, opinions, theories, questions that you guys want to have aired out. Now's your time to do it. Go ahead and fire in those Super Chats. Now, before we get to those live comments and questions from you guys, we're going to take another second here and hear from one of the longtime sponsors of the John Campion Show, our friends over at Stamps.com. We want to thank the sponsor of this video, Stamps.com. Now, guys, you don't need me to tell you that running a business, no matter how big or small, is an incredible stress. It feels like you need five of you for all the different directions you're being pulled in. And with all that, who's got time to go to the post office? Having to drop everything that you're doing to make a run to the post office is a major pain and drain on your day, especially when you've got more important things to do, like running your business. So stop mailing and shipping the hard way. Stamps.com is your 24-7 post office that you can access from everywhere. Skip the headache with Stamps.com. Stamps.com gives you access to all of the post office and UPS shipping services that you need right from your computer and get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 30% off USPS rates and 86% off UPS. Stamps.com just makes your life easier, guys. You're up and running in minutes, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send it. So guys, don't mail and ship the hard way. Sign up with Stamps.com today. Sign up with the promo code CAMP for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code CAMPIA. And thank you to our good friends over at stamps.com for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Okay, guys, it's that time. We're not going to hear from you. We're going to start off with our delightful channel members. Ray, what have some of our channel members had to say? Okay, Love Daggerborn uh, writes, I read online that Supergirl probably suffers the same fate as Batgirl. WB never said they're going to make a Supergirl movie. Do you think we will hear anything how they will do with Supergirl? Uh, yeah, that's the thing. There's been a report going around. Oh, they're going to they're gonna ask the Supergirl movie too. 
They've never officially announced that there was going to be a Supergirl movie. So, again, it depends on what they listen. If they're saying that Superman is going to be their focus moving forward, maybe that's a good thing. But again, as far as I'm aware, never has a Supergirl movie officially been announced in the first place. So I don't know how you can cancel something that was never on. But we'll see. All right. What's next? Okay. Joseph SFL writes, I feel bad for the rest of the cast and crew, but my concern in supporting Flash is that if it does well, they will keep Ezra. Remember, Roman Polanski is still making movies. I 1,000% guarantee you Ezra Miller is done as Flash. They are never going to let him be Flash again. And if they do, all this bullishness I have about the way Warner Brothers is being run right now, oh yeah, that's going to change real quick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's going to change real quick. But no, I 100% guarantee you Ezra Miller will never be Flash again after this movie's done. All right, what's next? All right, Bleach74820 writes, did y'all see this article that came out yesterday not wanting drama or hate, but this is worrying. And then he puts a link for a Business Insider article. Oh yeah, it's, it's something and... more again, about. it's more stuff about Ezra Miller. Honestly, it's I read the article. It's nothing that's worse than any of the other stuff. It's like he, how he was in Iceland and he kind of ran this Airbnb, kind of like a cult and whatever. Honestly, like it's, again, it's more, <laughs> this guy wow. is such a dickhole. I mean, I, at this point, whatever, but uh, it wasn't really anything worse than honestly the worst stuff that, that he's done already. So it's just another thing on the Ezra fire. All right, what's next? All right, Tara Jefferson writes, hi team, John makes a valid argument, but my fear that their adherence to only putting out quality films will be used as an excuse to backtrack on diversity in casting and storytelling. Uh, I get that, but we've seen nothing that indicates that. Like, nothing at all. Like, if anything, okay, yeah, they canceled Batwoman. But guess what they elevated? They elevated Blue Beetle. Like, they were like, hey, man, this movie's really good. You ain't putting this, you ain't dumping this on streaming. You're This is going theatrical. So, like... I see no evidence, nothing at all to support. I mean, I get it. It's one thing to be a little bit nervous about it, but really, what have we actually seen? Yeah, they canceled one film, but they've also promoted another. So I've seen nothing to give us real tangible reason to worry about it at this point. So also, you know, just to point out Sandman, another DC property, it has wonderful diversity in the cast. And a lot of people, even myself, was a little reticent. I'm like, eh, turns out it's great. It works really, really well. And I think that it, it comes down to we live in a new world where people are going to want to see themselves reflected more in their entertainment. And everyone knows that. And it can make you money. And it can make you money. Yeah. So, again, if, I, if we start seeing a long pattern of things happening over the next couple of years, we can revisit that issue. But right now, I, I just don't see anything to worry about yet. All right. What's next? All right. Dr. Nova just gifted five memberships. Oh, so thank you, Dr. Nova. That's awesome for those viewers. Thank you so much, man. That's awesome. Okay. Wayne Edwards writes, hello, crew. I'm on vacation in Europe with my niece. Nice. This is the first time I've been able to catch you live. <laughs> Thanks for connecting me to home. I'm having a ball, by the way. First trip to Europe. I, wow. I have never been to Europe. Dude. I'm Italian and my wife has been to Italy three times. I've never been to Italy. Which is one of my grandmother's big chagrins. That's I, 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 I got to get over. I got to get yeah. to Calabria. The food alone. Oh, I know. Heck yeah. Well, listen, I had the benefit of, of growing up with grandparents who lived in Italy most of their lives right. and eat there from scratch food. But yeah, I got to get out there. I, and listen, thank you. It is funny because the, when we run this show, a lot of people are at work. So, yeah, we get a lot of people that write to us say, I've never been able to watch a John Cabe show live. So we're glad you're able to right now, man. All right, what's next? All right, Rick Ritwick writes, Horns of Allen and Acts of Zaslav together cleaning the mess and bringing DCEU <laughs> on a solid track 
Finally, the hierarchy in DC Universe is about to change. Listen, you cannot rebuild something without tearing some things down. There's a reason why Chip and Joanna Gaines, when they're doing, when they're remaking somebody's house in their dream house, the first thing they do is demo day. Demo day, baby. And <laughs> you got to take Brothers, those walls down. <laughs> listen, I'm sorry, but Warner Brothers DC is in need of some demo day. It doesn't mean to tear the whole house down, but it needed a demo day. And that's what we're in right now. We are in DC and Warner Brothers demo day uh, uh, period of time. All right, what's next? <laughs> Corey Hensley writes, oh my God, Chris, you name dropped my favorite drink. Yeah. I love Lagavulin. Lagavulin. 16-year-old single malt. Oh, yeah. John, I wish you drank so you could experience that smoky taste. Oh, it's so peaty. <laughs> it's like drinking a mountain, not quite like Lafroy. It's delicious. Uh, oh, I man. wish I could appreciate alcohol. I just I just don't like Lafroy. It, it like, all tastes like alcohol to me. Lafroy is amazing. It's it so is. good. All right, Logan's a lemon drop drinker. All right. Then let's get out. Thank you to all of our channel yeah. members. Let's move on over to the Super Chats now. What do we got? From Marie. See, bring some support. Thank you so much, Thank Marie. You, Marie. From Bobby Jackson. If WB doesn't come out and say something about Ezra now, then what are they going to do when reviewers and press ask them questions once the movie comes out? I'm going to tell you right now. Remember what we were talking about? I guarantee you Ezra isn't going to be at the premiere. I go one step further. They're not going to have a premiere. I don't know that. I, I'm just guessing. I'm speculating right now. But there's going to be no press junkets. And there's going to be no premiere because you're right. They wouldn't allow Ezra to be at the premiere. And then the story is going to be Ezra doesn't attend premiere. So you know what? They're just not going to do a premiere. Just drop it like it's hot. They're just going to drop it like it's hot. Or as Beyonce would say, drop it like a tot. And they're just going to put it yeah, right into theaters and they're, they're going to go. So uh, that's how I think they're going to approach that. Mm -hmm. All right. What's next? From Josh Becker, WB just announced no more guarantees for a 45-day window for movies going to HBO Max. Thank God. In my opinion, some movies should just stay in theaters for months. I, again, if I sound like I fanboy out a little bit about what's going on in DC, it's because they're doing everything I've been saying for years I want them to do. Listen, there are some movies that, hey, maybe after 45 days, it's a good move to put it in there. But for some movies, you might want to keep a 90-day window. You might... Do it on a movie by movie basis, Rob. You you've been saying the same thing. For I've been a long saying time. the same thing. Hello, Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine yes. if they pulled that from theaters? I mean, look, that's a special case. We don't have a lot of movies anymore that have that kind of longevity. But one when one does, you let it ride. Yeah. And make Top as much Gun money Maverick, as you can. You're making a ton. There's no reason to pull it out as long as theater owners want it there. Can you imagine what theaters would say? We're going into August, and Top Gun Maverick is still into. It's we're in August. It's still in theaters making money. Yep. Do you think that they would with nothing else with with Easter Sunday opening in August? Do you think theater owners would want to take Top Gun out of their theaters now? Nope. No, <laughs> not at all. All right. What's next? From Thomas BDL. Hi, team. In my opinion, For All Mankind has become the gold standard for inclusion. <laughs> not shoehorned, but natural, logical and spontaneous. Episode nine had me in tears. You were just oh, talking about I, this. You know what? I have said that that especially for LGBTQ issues, the inclusion in For All Mankind is incredible. And there is a moment in this episode that I've, I've now cried twice because I've watched it twice. Uh, <laughs> and I won't say what it is, but you'll know. The inclusion and the representation is done naturally. It's not shoehorned. It's beautifully done. It, 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 I've never seen anything better. And it's not getting the, where's the viewership, man? Please oh, no. sign up for Apple Plus and watch For All Mankind. We, we got one more episode, right? One more, buddy. Uh, you know what they don't do? They don't market it. 
They don't. I they know. don't. They, they, I mean, Apple, you know who does? Apple is almost as bad me. as Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> me, Rayor and I, we yeah. market. To the point where Sony even contacted me and sent me swag. <laughs> yes, they did. We appreciate your tweets. All right, what's next? From Ismael Montoya. Hey, John, I am a huge fan of the TV show Suits. Mm. Unfortunately, it stopped playing several years ago. I'm not sure if you guys liked the show. And did you ever see it? Uh, do you ever see it returning? I never watched it. Me neither. Now, isn't the one that... Uh, uh, who's the one who married the prince? Meghan Markle. Meghan Markle. She's which, in she was that. on that show yeah. too, right? Yeah. I honestly, I never saw a single episode. I, I've, I've heard a number of people watch it. Honestly, none of my friends even watch it, so I, I'm not real familiar with it. Have you ever watched any of these? Uh, you know what? I've watched a clip like six times. I watched the clip. I watched this clip. I think it's from Suits, where a guy comes in and he doesn't have a law degree, but he's memorized the bar and he knows it from from memory, and he gets hired. All I've right. seen this clip like six times. I don't know why oh. he keeps looking at it. It's just a great, great clip. All you right. sure that wasn't Catch Me If You Can? <laughs> it was not Catch Me If You Can. <laughs> All right, what's next? From Ben Rayner, breaking news, John. Nicole Kidman. Oh, I saw this. Oh, yeah. Nicole Kidman has extended her AMC contract for a one-year extension to be their spokesperson. There won't be any heartbreak for that time, or will there be? And by the way, Ben put in like a $20 super yes, chat. Ben. Thank you for that, Ben. Listen, I have no issues with Nicole Kidman being the face of AMC theaters. That, frankly, is a great move. It's a great idea. What is not great is when a 7 p.m. showtime and it's already 7.31 and we've been watching like a half hour of trailers and then the lights go down again. It's like, okay. And then an AMC commercial comes up. Again, a commercial for something I am already doing. You, What's the point of showing me an AMC commercial when I'm sitting in an AMC theater right now? I've said it a million times, I'll say it again. That's like trying to get somebody to look at your Tinder profile when you're already in the middle of having sex with them. It makes no sense. And 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 it's fine, except for the fact that my movie was already supposed to start 31 minutes ago. And now I got to sit through and watch another. It, that, again, Nicole Kimmon being the face of the company, awesome. Just stop playing that damn thing before I just the They should starts. make one a month for the next year. They should have new <laughs> filmmakers come in and do, do new Nicole Kidman spots on a monthly basis. All right, what's next? From Ryan Lawner, two weeks ago, Michael Keaton was in three upcoming movies as Batman. Now he's in one. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, he's, listen, we saw some pretty cool footage at CinemaCon of The Flash, and it's very Michael Keaton-centric. Like, Michael Keaton ain't some cameo like he was going to be in Aquaman and some smaller role that he was going to, I mean, apparently it wasn't going to be all that small, but the role he was going to have, it's a major, major role. Like, I mean, I think he's probably the second most major character in the entire movie with Flash. So, yeah, the other one's unfortunate. But I, I think you're going to, the real one, the, 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 the crown on the jewel of the Michael Keaton being back in mm -hmm. a DC film is the Flash movie. So that's the one we Batman Flashpoint. Batman Flashpoint. That, that, listen, you <laughs> joke. No, that's what I think it's going to be. I would we not, talked about this. I would not put Chris. money against no. it. That by, by the time this movie comes out, it's no longer called The Flash. It's not The Flash because that movie doesn't exist. It's Batman Flashpoint. There's They're a reworking happening. It. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. Mm -hmm. I honestly wouldn't doubt it. All right, what's next? From Blake Feely. I love My Dad Comes Out Today. Are you going to see it? <gasps> Do you guys I, know about this movie? I've never even heard of it. So this is a film uh, with Patton Oswalt where it is based on a true I story. I a poster yep. to it. Yes. It's about a a dad who has a he no longer has a relationship with his son he's trying to reconnect with him and he catfishes him 
So he pretends to be this beautiful woman online to reconnect with his son. Oh. And it's supposed to be just very, very and Pat like. And Oswald is starring in it? Yep. The trailer looked I'm, funny. I'm instantly it looks intrigued. So darkly funny. And I read an interview that the he and the uh, other writer um, and the, his co star in it did talking about how, like, this is appropriately cringy. There are moments where you're just like, no, don't let it happen. And seeing it in a theater is apparently the way to do this one, too. So you uh, have that shared okay, experience. I'm intrigued. Yeah. I'm, intrigued. I'm going to have to gotta check it out. It's got to be better than Easter Sunday. It's mm, got to be better than Easter Sunday. All right, what's next? From Andy, one of four. Ooh, Andy, sending in a $20 super Thank chat. You, Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Andy. But Let's good go. luck. I, I don't know. It's not a good idea. To Let's do it. Okay, what's going to recap? Revengers Endgame. A comet's going to hit Riverdale in 18 hours. And Abigail, Cheryl's ghost witch ancestor, offers advice what? on how to get rid of the dome, keeping people trapped there. In return, she asks for herself and... Yeah, you know what? Here. They went you know under what? the dome? Just, just go back. We're going to have to just get to them as we come to them because we, oh, okay. we can't take the time to skip sure. into So we'll keep that in mind. All right. Okay. It's witch ancestral. It's about something hitting... Okay. Oh my we'll gosh. keep that. All right. What's next? All right. From Ryan Lawner, uh, Lucifer was based on a comic spun off from The Sandman. Yes. So yes, the Lucifer and Mazikeen in The Sandman are based on the same characters. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Now, obviously, Fox and then later Netflix took their those characters in a very, very different direction. Yes. yes. But yes, the, those are the connection is right. You're absolutely right about that. All right. What's next? From Justin Welsh, <gasps> singing Posty. Sings almost like a $20 super chat. Thank yeah. you, Justin. Sad to hear about Easter Sunday. You actually introduced me to Joe Coy and growing up around loads of Filipinos in stitches with his comedy. So which one's worse, Easter Th Sunday or Thunder Force? <laughs> okay, so here's, here's the active difference between the two. There is nothing in Easter Sunday, there's nothing offensively bad. It's just the absolute complete absence of anything good. <laughs> Thunder Force has a few moments it does has a few moments but it has actively offensively bad things and i'm not saying i'm offended no i mean it's so bad you like to oppressively offensively terrible 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 so it's it's i would say let, let me almost take a push on this to say this i think easter sunday is the worst movie i've seen since thunder force so let me say it that way it, it's it, but there are two different things all right Dang. thanks a lot for that justin and have a good time. Make sure you stay cool in the uh, Toronto summer heat as mm -hmm. you're uh, going around uh, delivering stuff like that. So thank you again, man. All right, what's next? From James Argenta, if a director has a choice, why would they choose WB after day and date in 2020 and axing two completed movies in background animated Scooby movie? Listen, here's the reality, James. Many, 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 many movies get axed at different points in development. And what is not usual, what is not usual is that they get axed so far along the process that has happened here. Again, remember, the whole taking all their movies that they had contractual obligations to have the theatrical releases, they were going to get points on the box office and all that kind of stuff, that happened under the old leadership. And one of the very first things that the new leadership has done has said, that ain't going to happen with us. Like, that will never happen with us. But the creative relationship is a two-way street. The creators also have a responsibility to turn in good product. And if you don't turn in good product, your project might get axed. And so if you're a creator and you have a choice now of coming in and working with a studio that is like got rid of that nonsense about, well, we're just going to take everything and just dump it on streaming, even if we had promised you it's not, uh, that's now gone. But come and work with us, but understand we expect you to make good product. And if you don't, 
things might happen. Like we might cancel the project, might whatever. But again, Rob, you've you have been involved with projects that have been green oh, a certain point, and then and then it falls apart. It falls apart. So the, I mean, but it's just unusual I'm, that it goes that far into the project. I mean, I'm not like this. I've never been involved with something that went all the way. Right. I, that's I, unusual. I feel terrible for the two directors, you know, the directing team that was making Batgirl because that's going to be a difficult thing to come back from. Luckily, they've got Miss Marvel out. Mm-hmm. They've, they've directed episodes. That's the, They might be able to get TV work and stuff, but this is a real setback in their careers. And Leslie Grace, I mean, I feel bad for her too. But again, you, you brought this up yourself the other day, and I think there's a point. What would set them back further? Uh, if, and this is assumed, well, if the movie's as bad as what we are hearing it was, uh-huh. would releasing the movie had set them back more, though, than, oh, than I, not releasing it? Yeah, you know, because if people don't know, I mean, they can still build up their resume with TV episodes, and they can do great, then they can transition back over to features. But yeah, if something comes out, like, where's Pitoff, the director of yeah. Catwoman? Yep. His his Hollywood career didn't exactly, you know, nope. burn up the, the charts. Yeah, and, and again, I and listen, I joke about there hasn't it, been another Catwoman that movie. you want to know how bad the previous regime of Warner Brothers was? They greenlit a fucking Wonder Twins movie, all right? But that doesn't mean you don't feel bad for the kid from uh, Riverdale, Riverdale who now was given a feature film and was going to have that breakout possibility. The young girl from 1883 was going to be the twin sister. I mean... Of course you feel bad for these people because, oh, they were like this close to having a big comic book movie. But, you know, this happens. It, it, it's the business. It's fine. Right. He got superpowers on Riverdale. He's okay. That's right. Tons of superpowers yeah. on Riverdale. And apparently Things they're now about. under the dome. Like now they're Stephen under the dome. Book. Yeah. And you'll wow. let us know. All right. What's next? <laughs> From Connie. Uh, if you want more Ms. Marvel wholesome goodness, check out their episodes of Assembled. Also, in defense of John, Rob doesn't follow me on Instagram. Whoa! I didn't. I don't. I didn't know that. Shots fired. Well, I didn't know. I, didn't, I love Connie. In in Rob's defense, Connie, I didn't even know you had an Instagram. I mean, we follow each other on Twitter. Uh, but hey, bring that bring that back up again for a second because I already forgot the uh, 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 check. Oh yeah. yeah. So I I stopped watching the Disney plus making of our series stuff because it was, wasn't getting good, but this Connie's like the third or fourth person I've heard say that the Ms. Marvel behind the scenes stuff that it is really good. actually, you watch it too. You no, saw? everyone keeps telling me that everybody keeps telling into. me it's really good. Yeah. So I think I'm going to have to check it. Thank you for that. Connie. Appreciate that. And Rob's right. adding you right now on Instagram. Yeah. That's, he's, he's busy at it. All right. What's next? Still will McShave. One of two followed back Connie. Brandon Sanderson said on his weekly YouTube channel that Mistborn will be adapted by a big studio. An announcement was expected within months. Do, 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 do. Okay, never mind. If we can't find it quickly, we, uh, we just, sorry, sorry guys, we can't, we'll we can't you know. use our airtime here just trying to find the questions. All right, what is next? We'll try to remember that. So Mistborn. Mm-hmm. So try to remember Mistborn. that. Okay, what's next? From City of Swift. John, you walk past in and out and see two figures at a table. Spielberg is enjoying a burger while the other waves a script in his face. It reads Batman Beyond. <laughs> the other man is Zaslav. Your reaction? I, I, I question everything. I question everything then at that. I, I, I don't know what's real anymore. I probably retire at that point. I like it. This business makes no sense to me anymore, and I probably just give up. I just like that they eat it in and out. That's the thing. Like, like why would Steven Spielberg subject himself to such gribble? He probably loves it. Probably, uh, oh, in and out so bad. So good. Icon respecting an icon, John. All right. All right, what's next? James Wheeler sending in a $20 super chat. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you, James. James. Happy Friday, everyone. Like you, John, my wife is also Filipina, and I'm grateful she would rather see Top Gun Maverick again than see Easter Sunday. The trailer looks so bad. 
I, listen, that's this thing. Yeah, the trailers look bad, but how often do you hear me go, yeah, man, that trailer looked terrible to me, and I really ended up liking it. That's mm -hmm. why you leave your expectations at the door. And Joe Coy, being the funniest man in the world, in my opinion, oh, man, it really sucks. I wanted this to be a Super Pets for you. I really <laughs> did, too. I really, I really did, too. I, 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 Super Pets, a movie I thought looked like total shit, and I came out going, you know what? That was actually pretty good. I, I wanted that so badly. Oh, well. Thank you for that. What's Why that? is the movie called Easter Sunday? Because it happens on Easter Sunday. It just isn't released then. It just wow. isn't released on Easter Sunday. They didn't want to offend God, movie? apparently. In the summer! <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's next? All right, Andy, so... Uh, Cheryl's deal with this witch. Another $20 super chat, by the way. Uh, Thomasina, Topaz's witch ancestor, to temporarily possess Cheryl and Topaz's bodies so they can smash. Cheryl tells wow. Topaz that this isn't cheating on her hubby. Veronica absorbs her friend's powers to juice up Cheryl to melt. We'll I, find out more soon. I, I can't wait to see where this, this is, is going. This is the finale episode. <laughs> All right, keep going. What's next here? Ricky, Ricky Bizarro. I understand uh, preserving DC's brand by canning Batgirl. DC is important to Zaslav. But what's with Scoob? Preserving the Scooby brand? Genuine question. I th it's, it's the thing. But again, that was a movie that was being made for direct to streaming. Mm -hmm. It was a movie that still needed more money to finish. And they were like, we're not going to see that money back. And we can get a tax write down on it if we cancel the project. Whereas we're going to make no money on it if we just dump it on. Again, this is all them refuting and and chastising the previous ownership for their stupid business practices. It's like, listen, we got this Scooby-Doo movie, not going to make a red hot cent for us. If we axe it, we get X number of millions of dollars back in a tax write down. This movie actually benefits us more business wise if we just kill it. And again, that, that's not them refuting or chastising the people making Scoob. That's them chastising the previous ownership and the previous regime saying the way they did business was ass backwards, man. So and, it's and funny. Was, My friend Alan Spencer made the made the joke. It's HBO Max Bialystok from the producers. Oh, Max, uh, you know, yeah. who they're that's what they were looking to do, looking to get that right down. Well, it looks like they actually did it. Yeah. So good for them. I'm really sad about the Scooby one. It's two of my favorite things. It's Christmas and Scooby-Doo. Yeah, well. I wanted that. Oh, well. What's next? Andy, three of four, another $20 super chat. The comet, uh, to melt the comet because there's no difference between powers and poison. What? Veronica gives them to Cheryl by making out with her. Right, of, of course. She assures Cheryl that her phoenix powers trumps her poison powers so Cheryl won't be harmed. Cheryl dresses. I, I honestly cannot wait to see how this ends. Did you, you got it there, Jonathan? Yeah. It's going to come up a little ways, but uh, where do we live off? Ricky Bizarro? Oh. That was the one we just answered, Yeah. Right? Okay. okay, yes. Now we're on So Rose. then, uh, Rose Swan, Flash movie finally gets released. Chris, it's fan made. <laughs> Not real. Doesn't count. Uh-uh. Still denies its existence. Nope. It's becoming Batman Flashpoint, okay? So in a way, I'm right. I, you know what? I'm almost ready to put money on that, that they changed the title from Flash to Batman Flashpoint. I, I'm almost ready to put money on that. All right. What's next? From Rob gets me wet for Star Trek. Oh, I, oh, how dare you make me say that? That's more information that I needed to know. If they ever do a Playboy biopic, I want Rob to be Hugh Hefner. You really? are already. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, you know, I hope that comes from a girl. Rob comes in in a smoking jacket every day. Mm -hmm. It's, it's true. Uh, just one of them things. Oh, I'd love things. to be Hugh Hefner, but yes. I would, you know, well, never mind. All right. What's next? From Peter Cunnington, apparently Ezra Miller running a cult in Iceland. I mean, no, listen, they said there are people who've been in the house that said it's almost cult-like. Like, I, I read the report. And again, just another thing about what a dickhole this dude is. But uh, again, it's nothing earth-shattering. All right, what's next? 
From Jay, Battle of the Mega Composers, John Williams versus Hans Zimmer. Williams by a mile. Going 20 rounds. Musically, of course, who wins and what by score? Williams by a mile. It's, it's not a fair fight. I mean, that's, Hans Zimmer is fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But it's John Williams. Like every major memorable musical score in history, like nine out of 10 of them are John Williams scores. How many can you whistle? Yeah. How many of John Williams themes can you whistle as opposed to Hans Zimmer themes? And I love Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer's awesome. He's fantastic. I listen to what are you going to do when you're not saving the world at least three times a week when I'm in the shower. Love it. But it's John Williams. Easy. It's not it's not even close. All right. What's next? From King Tannic, Rob has pointed out that many of the Western story arcs come from the Bible. So why haven't we seen a big epic biblical story like Ten Commandments or the Passion of the Christ in a while? Because a lot of the audience aren't interested in that as a definitive subject matter. So you can take story archetypes and structures and apply them to other stories that is going to appeal to more people. But I mean, I mean, that's just simply why there's not as many people like you put out a movie that's a Bible movie. It'll instantly interest a certain demographic of people. Sure. But it'll also instantly turn off another certain demographic of people like me. Yep. So, I mean, plus, yeah. I mean, but they're also I mean, you, Ten Commandments would cost millions and millions of dollars to do right and who's going to go see are you going to get hundreds an audience? and hundreds of millions of dollars and and here's the thing it is really one of the situations where the book is much better than the movie so i mean <laughs> it's just leave it at that all right what's next from fifi do you think the end of this 10-year plan will end with another justice league movie oh they're they're gonna listen they're not gonna launch out listen i've said forever you the formula does not make movies good formula doesn't do it yeah, there was the Marvel formula of single film, single film, single film, single film Avengers, right? You don't have to do that. I am of the total belief that you can launch a cinematic universe with a Justice League movie. I completely believe it. But I don't think that's what they're going to do. But they're definitely not going to wait 10 years to do Justice League. Three years, four years, five years. But it, I do not believe it'll be 10. I mean, it, maybe they will. I'd be, I'll be shocked if they do. But I don't think it's going to be waiting 10 years. All right, what's next? From Abraham Ruiz, WB, we're not releasing Batgirl because we don't believe in it. Sony, shotguns a beer and releases Morbius <laughs> twice. Yeah. I mean, that's that's it right again. It just, but it, it highlights, because Chris, I think you're mentioning, it's just, it, it's insane to me that the same people. Yeah. I see you going, why the hell did they release Morbius? Or like, why aren't they releasing Batgirl? Well, <laughs> look at what happened with Morbius. Maybe oh, Warner Brothers should just give Sony Batgirl. Because let me ask you this question. Perfect thing with Morbius, mm-hmm. right? After you saw Morbius, are you more positive thinking about the Sony Universe movies? Or are you less positive thinking about... After seeing Morbius, did your overall impression of Sony movies and your expectations and hopes for Sony movies rise? Or did they go down? They went down. That's not what they want to happen with the DC stuff. But that end product did feel like it was weird studio interference, where it was, this is a weird edit, and there's weird ADR, and we don't have blood, and it like, what is happening? It felt like it, but for all we know, it, it wasn't. It couldn't be. Yeah, I wasn't like, in the room. We, we, but... We've never heard anything. Yeah. We've never heard any official reports saying there was any studio interference. Blah, blah, blah. It feels like it, but it could have just been that bad. They're like, man, this edit, we're going to make this rough. Because I know, Rob, <laughs> you've mentioned it. It felt like studio interference. It did. It, you know it, what it felt like to me? It felt like the studio didn't get involved enough. <laughs> it felt like they just let it go. Well, it's the filmmaker. Just let, well, that's what they're doing. Just let them do it. And no, this is where the studio should have stepped in. Uh, who knows? We'll, we'll find out. I mean, you might be right, though. All right, what's next? <sighs> From Exploding Soda 99. I love that name. Easter Sunday is worse than Thunder Force? 
again, like remember, Thunder Force did not come out this year. So when I call it the worst film of the year, Thunder Force now came out a couple of years ago. I will I will make my statement as Sunday uh, Easter Sunday is the worst movie I've seen since Thunder Force. I'll say that. So uh, give me give me a little bit more time to digest it before I make some definitive uh, statements. All right, what's next? And now for the gripping conclusion. The gripping conclusion. <laughs> of the Avengers. All right. So Cheryl uh, comes Wanda Maximoff to confront the comet. Instead of melting it, scarletwish.com. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh, it's the awesome. shot of the day, that Andy. That is the shot of the day. I Holy love that. Shit. That was great. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Scarletwish.com reboots the Riverdale universe. Oh, my and God. now they're all teens again, but set in 1955 like Archie Comics, and no one remembers except for Jughead. So it's basically... Not Avengers Disassembled. It's it's basically uh, uh what's the Scarlet? The House of M. It's, it's basically it's House, House of M. M. Yeah. It's basically House of ScarletWish.com is the greatest thing ever. That is like I, so I would proud of you. I would talk about Walmart Captain America. That tops it. Yeah. That that is great. First of all, for let me acknowledge this. Andy, you just like tipped in like eighty dollars. Yeah. For, for, so thank you so much for man. That, that's incredibly generous. Oh my like I just can't believe any of that's real. It's, uh, they actually did this? On this show, I mean, I I watched the footage of Cheryl defeating the comet because people tweeted it to me, and they're like, "Chris, what is this?" Now, help me out. Is, is Cheryl the one who, in season one, was like captain of the cheerleader squad? Yes, Cheryl Blossom. And the way she got the powers was because she had to make out with Veronica yeah, to get the powers through the intrinsic power of making out. You too. Did the comet have a face out? on it? No, like a smiling face or something. No, no. It would have been better if it did. Oh my but god, man. John's getting a migraine. I, I just like, brain. you see, I can just see Bruce Banner describing it scientifically. Well, the, the saliva of the power of the power giver has to intermingle with the vagina of the power receiver. It's the only way. That's how superpowers are transferred. Yeah, I've been saying reason. that since junior high. I just love that we've like had so many people think about all the ways Killmonger could come back to oh. life. And Riverdale's just like, yeah, reasons. Make F out. It. Mm. Yeah, F it. We just move on. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that, Andy. What's next? <laughs> from Drama 8, John sounds like Bill Hader's Stefan from SNL on the resort <laughs> sponsor video. There's a flip phone, a disappearance, and John Cortez. Oh my God! Bring on the brownies! Um, this man, is that how everything. it comes across? I gotta rewatch it. Maybe I need to re-record that ad if that's how it comes across. I love the reference, though. That's great. All right, what's next? From Jai CSC, song recommendation: Kala, my friend by Ar uh, Amanza. I suggest listening on the drive home after a long day and thank me later. I've not only not heard of the song, I've never heard of the artist. Same. All <laughs> Again, right. Listen, my drives are are podcasts. Podcasts or audiobooks. I, I actually very rarely will put music on the car. It's oh, usually podcasts or audiobooks. Are you, are you any of you guys familiar with the artist or the song? No. no but no. now I want to go find Same out. Same here. I'm because I'm podcast unless I'm going to an audition or callback. Then I do a soundtrack of sorts to get me jazzed. I like Kane Legion in the live chat says, "Is Riverdale written by Ezra Miller?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. We're What's next? Flashlight. Uh, Devin Pangrakar, Riverdale season seven takes place in the, the 50s and they're teenagers again. I'm starting to love the absurdity. Starting? <laughs> Listen, I, I will say this. To be fair, as somebody who watched season one and mm -hmm. thought it was pretty good and then never really watched much after because it got so ridiculous. If you had told me after season one that said, and I didn't know anything else about what Riverdale has done. And he said, you know, in this next season, something happens in town that sends them back to the 60s where they're like the Archie Comics versions. I would have said, that's interesting. 
That's interesting. <laughs> but knowing everything else we know yeah. about it, thanks to Andy, it's like, no, that's not interesting. That's <laughs> stupid. I like those two slices of bread. I don't like anything that's yeah, been put in that sandwich. Yeah, the shit sandwich, not so good. <laughs> All right, what's next? From Bobby Jackson, in the words of Mike Tyson, everyone has a 10-year plan until they get yep. punched in the, uh, in the Man of Steel. <laughs> but I remain hopeful Zaslav's plan works out. Again, listen, like we said before, very, very bullish on everything they've done so far. But it means nothing unless you start putting out great movies. It's great that you're cutting out the chaff, you're getting rid of the, you're culling out the, the weak part of the herd. That's great. But if you don't end up with really good product... None of that means shit. And unfortunately, it's going to take us like two to three years to find out if this starts to work. But uh, I mean, all this will be for nothing if they don't. All right. What's next? From Jeremy144713, Mr. Bean said, every joke offends someone or group. It's true. I mean, it, it really is true. Somebody or something is the butt of every joke. Yeah. That, I, that does. I do not believe that means every joke is fair game. I'm not necessarily saying that. But I mean... Somebody or something is the butt of every joke. And the rule of thumb is, are you punching up or are you punching down? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. What's next? From Joshua Ramsor, says some support. Thank, Thank you, Joshua. Joshua. Lars Lovinson in Bruges is one of my favorite so movies. So good. So I'm definitely looking forward to the Banshees of Inishrin. Yeah. And I just watched that trailer. It, it looks really good. I mean, Colin Farrell's in it. It's directed by the, the guy who directed in Bruges, and he also directed three billboards. It's Brendan Greek. Is Brennan Gleason in it too? Yes. He is? So it's kind of like an embrouge reunion? Yeah, it's an embrouge reunion. And apparently, like, Brennan Gleason and, um, uh, you know, what's Colin Farrell? Colin Farrell are like friends. And then Brennan Gleason just one day decides, I'm not your friend anymore and I never want to talk to you again. So it's still more Martin McDonough, too. Yes. Okay. And it goes from there. And I'm like, it looks really good. That reminds me a lot of A Fish Called Wanda and then the same cast made The Thing with the Animals. When you have the entire Fish Called Wanda cast. Oh, yeah. Um, they came back. What was, guys in the live chat, help me out with that. What was the name of that movie? It was also really funny. It wasn't as good as A Fish Called Wanda. But like the entire cast got back together. I'll keep my eye in the live chat to see if somebody comes up with it. But Deadly Creature, Fierce Creatures. Fierce Creatures. Uh, the first one to put it in was Damien Crespin was the first one to write it. Yeah, right. Fierce Creatures. Mike Cat also got it. Uh, some Moof Milker also got it. So, yeah. <laughs> so it reminds me a little bit of that situation. All right, what's next? From Matthew Evan, hello everyone. Do you think Marvel Studios have been focusing too much on their series rather than movies? Much love. No, I think they have too much product. I think they're putting out too much. And I think that is, I think that's hurting their overall quality because they're putting out too much. So I don't think the problem is series. I think the problem is just too much product, period. But uh, let's see what happens with the next thing. We got She-Hulk coming out. Very excited Which about looks that. Good. Looks great to me. Cannot wait. And so let's see how that forever. turns out. All right, what's next? From Blake62, you could say this for anything, but I hope Zaslav at least talks to Spielberg about Superman. He can provide the wonder you need to make it work. I guarantee you, David Zaslav has sent singing telegrams to Steven Spielberg that's basically make any movie you want come on over you here you want to remake Jaws go for it like it'll be what I guarantee you he's got an open invitation to Spielberg to make any movie he wants but I mean well it's interesting Spielberg they're, doing Superman they're doing the color purple musical that's right mm -hmm. and I, I think he's a producer on that for Warner Brothers so I mean unless I'd be down for it Dude, of course Spielberg Superman is more universal though right yeah, Amblin's at Universal, but he's right. put out he's put out movies Stuff through with Warner other, Brothers. Yep. All right, what's next? From Sebastian Dassis. 
Uh, y'all got to watch Vengeance. I loved it. It was funny when it needed to be and emotional when it needed to be. And as a Texan, I loved its interpretation of us. It was a fun. It was funny and accurate. Damn good film. Okay, wait. I keep getting confused between Devotion, which is the Jonathan Majors one. B.J. Novak. This is B- yeah, the B.J. B-J, B-J Novak one. Right, right, that, that's Scott. Yeah, I, I keep hearing from, I've not heard one bad thing about it yet. No, sir. Not that I haven't heard one bad thing, but I haven't heard one bad review of the movie yet. Everyone that I've talked to that has seen has loved it. So I and I like BJ Novak, so I gotta mm-hmm. give this one a shot. Thank you for the recommendation, my friend. All right, what's next? From Norwegian Kryptonian. David Zadzlav isn't refurbishing an old house. He's building a new one. I saw someone mention Todd McFarlane as possible chief of a DC studio. Thought? <sighs> Fuck no. Yeah, no. No, 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 no. Good Canadian kid. Very good at what he does. But no. God no. no. Bring up the universe. Michael, the Michael Scott. Yeah, Toby. No, thing. No, God, no, 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 no. Why? No, no. Just, just. No. He can't even get a Spawn movie made. He can't. So, but now like, it's going to have a whole no. cinematic universe. Uh, all right. What's next? From Luis Enrique de la Pena. Over under thirty percent. Discovery will announce their new ten-year plan by next year at San Diego Comic Con or Fandom. Well, no, they already kind of said that they're looking at what summer of twenty twenty-three as maybe when they'll merge the services and stuff like that. And then, I, I mean, look, there's not going to be a 10-year plan for Discovery. Discovery is what Discovery is, mm-hmm. and it does it very well. And it, it's very addictive, what it is. But, yeah, we'll see what the bigger plan is once they need actually merge these services. All right, what's next? From Caden, do you think Warner Discovery renews AEW? No, I, I don't really watch AEW, so I, I couldn't tell you. But listen, if, if it gets ratings... Sure, they'll renew it if it gets, but I have no idea if it gets ratings or not. Another station will pick them up. Yeah, somebody will pick it up for sure. All right, what's next? From Tangerine Star 26, Prey is brilliant and refreshing, and that ending. Prey is great. Prey is great. And I am one of those guys that when they started talking about it, and even the first couple of previews, I'm like, why are they making this movie? After what happened with the last thing? It's a great movie. Yeah, I was going to watch it, but I was on the Sandman train. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right, because it's out now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just double check what it is on Rotten Tomatoes right now. I mean, it was in mankind, the 90s. The, the last I checked, it was 91. It's 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I mean, it, it's really fantastic. It's a terrific movie. All right, what's next? From Stubble McShave, this is about Mistborn. So part two, Mistborn is a modern fantasy heist story with a unique magic system of consuming metals which produce specific effects, such as vector telekinesis. I have never heard of Mistborn, though. I want to read this. But the idea that magic needs to be converted from something, like you need a resource. Mm -hmm. What's that? Like alchemy. Yeah. Yeah. You need a resource to produce the effects. I like it. That's an interesting. I, again, I don't know anything. About, have any of you guys know anything about Mistborn? No, I haven't read heard it. Heard the name, but no, not not familiar. That with the sounds gameplay. awesome. But that does sound pretty cool. I'll oh. keep our eyes on it. Thank you for that. Was that Mister Forty Seven? I think no, that was Stubble McShane. Thank yeah. you, Stubble, for saying that name. Appreciate that, man. All right, what's next? From Irene Johnson, top superhero villain, one of each. One, two, three, go. Mm, yeah. Nah. I, 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 no, I'm just not going to do that right now. <laughs> I, I like Killgrave. I like Brother Blood and the Teen Titans. Comic. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of villains I really like, yeah. but yeah. All right, what's next? From Josh Becker, I started 13 Lives. It's really good. Which one is 13 Lives again? Is that the um, Ron Howard one? Oh, yeah. oh right, right yeah. about the rescue thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just yeah. things we always yeah. forget. It's Vengeance and 13 yeah. Lives. We're always like, which one is that? And Devotion, Vengeance. Yeah, that's right. The one that the same, the documentary was about the same true story. Cool. I, I, I Obviously, it's Ron Howard. I'm very, very excited to check it out, but I, I have not yet. Thank you for giving us your quick uh, thoughts on it. I appreciate that. What's next? 
From Johnny Got Lost, sending in an almost $20 super chat. Thank you, Johnny Got Lost. Mbaku would be a great choice for Black Panther, but it wouldn't make sense. He declined the offer of the heart-shaped herb once before, and his tribe have rejected the use of technology. So why would he use an advanced vibranium suit? Okay, so there's two things to keep in mind. He rejected using it because he knew at the time T'Challa was still alive. Mm -hmm. So that was the big thing too, right? The Jabari tribe also are Wakanda. They they keep very much to themselves. They are thing, but even then he still respects their traditions, even the technological ones of the things. Actually, one of his big problems with the way the Tachaka dynasty was running things was you've got a girl who does not respect our traditions. The way he says that is so freaking regal. Our traditions. It's only Winston Duke can say it like that. He, one of his big problems was the fact that the head of technology was somebody who didn't respect our traditions, right? So, yeah, it's it's it would be complicated and convoluted, but remember, Black Panther is not the head of technology. Black Panther is the defender of Wakanda. And that's their primary role. Don't even necessarily need to be king to be Black Panther because T'Chaka was king while T'Challa was Black Panther, right? So I really do think it makes complete sense. But, I mean, who knows? I haven't seen the movie, so... Who knows? We'll see the which way they go with it. A good, All right, what's next? A good snapping can change your perspective. A that's good true. snapping can... That's, that's a true. very good point. Very good point. All right, what's next? From Jasmine Jones, I watched Honor Society with Ngori Rice getting uh, Matsurata from Paramount Plus, and it was pretty good. It's like you think it'll be a nice teen rom-com with the main leads, then it flips on you towards the end. Um, this is the girl who played... Uh, Betty or Betsy in Spider-Man No Way Home, all those films. And then Gaten is uh, the kid from Stranger Things. Okay. Dustin. I have not heard of this project. Well, it's cute. What, it's is cute. This, I'm assuming this is a streamer. Yeah. Yeah. It's a stream movie. It was written by David Goodman, who's president of the WGA. And he also is an executive producer of the Orville. Oh, really? And he used to write for Star Trek Enterprise. Does anybody know what the basic idea of the movie so, is? Basically, uh, there, she's trying to get a really great recommendation letter for college. And the counselor, I believe, is like, yeah, you're one of the people in the running. And it's basically down to her and this boy who's really, really smart. And so she's just like, oh, I'm going to just like seduce him so he doesn't do well in school is the plot that we're thrown at fr uh, the front end. But apparently they turn that on its head later. Ooh. I mean, I just heard it for the first time. I could tell you how this movie's going to end. Yeah. It still doesn't mean it can't be fun and charming. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's next? From Andrew Poor, this DC news could be good for Marvel as well if it works. Competition is something I think benefits both parties. Kevin Feige himself has spoke about this many times. Like, yes, the, the general adage of, of rising tide raises all ships. That's not necessarily 100% true across the board. But with comic book movies, Kevin Feige has said himself, listen, when people go to a comic book movie and they have a great time, they want to go see more comic book movies. Kevin Feige said it's good for us if DC is successful. And so I, I agree. Yes, I think I think Kevin Feige would love it. Because listen, I'm sure Kevin Feige wrings his fist a little bit. Like when a, a Morbius comes out and people go to see it, they pay money. They come. Maybe they haven't come to the theaters again since the pandemic started. They go out as oh, it's got an Academy Award winner. Let's go see it. And they go see it and they have a terrible time. I'm sure Kevin Feige's going, oh, my God, because some of those people, some of those people ain't going to go back to see the next comic book movie that comes out because they don't care which studio makes it. So, yes, DC getting better at what they do. Kevin Feige celebrates that. He does. He said it himself publicly. So I agree with you 100%. All right, what's next? 
from Agent Sambora. What about James Wan as DC's Kevin Feige? Somebody like that. Like I said, Matt Reeves, a James Wan, who also has expanded beyond just directing films himself to having an entire production company banner and himself and being an executive himself. The Conjuring universe. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, but here's the thing. I, I think that that these directors, I know they're expanding beyond being just directors, but their primary focus is on making films. And when a director is going to direct a movie, like you, Aquaman's a two-year prop, proposition. You know, you're deeply immersed. So I think you need you need a strong producing presence that's going to keep the while you're making a movie. You need somebody outside of you that's keeping the direction for the entire whatever their ten-year plan is going to be. See, and I can see somebody like a Matt Reeves. And again, I'm not saying this needs to be Matt Reeves. I'm saying somebody like Matt Reeves. Sure. Who, in the last two and a half years, has aggressively expanded his production empire. I could totally see them not feeling the need that they have to be the one sitting in the chair every single day for 16 hours to direct. And here's the other thing. And this is one thing that Kevin Feige doesn't have. I think it would be very interesting to have somebody take a position like that who themselves have sat in that director's chair. They have done that. And so they can relate with directors a little bit more on that level. Not that, obviously, Kevin Feige is super good at relating with his directors, obviously. But that it would be another advantage to somebody like, say, a Matt Reeves or a James Wan or, or somebody whose name we don't even know yet. Right. It's, it's possible, but it, it also could go south. But all right. What's next? From uh, Pio Cote. Hi, with Ben Affleck coming back as Batman in Aquaman 2, do you think that his Batman movie could see the light of day with the new WBDC management? Now, nah, listen, we are literally talking about, and, and the trades were very clear about this, we're literally talking about him coming in to do a quick cameo to replace the cameo by Michael Keaton's Batman just because they couldn't do that anymore without the Flash movie being out first. It didn't make sense. I wouldn't go, he's doing this cameo, that means they're going to... No. No, I, I don't think so. But God, I would love it. I mean, I could see them making that movie just to make, I mean, they got to make movies still. You know, it wouldn't necessarily be part of a 10-year plan, but it'd be great if they made that movie. I mean, listen, I would love it, but do you really want three Batman? Because they're, they're yeah, going to be no, reestablishing I mean, their DCU yeah, Batman, of course. right? Be, so you're going to, and they're not going to cancel the Robert Pattinson Batman friends. No, no, no. So do you have a Robert Pattinson Batman, a Ben Affleck Batman, and then whoever's the DCU Batman right at the same time? No. But I still would love to see him fight. Oh, that's God, fun. I would give so much to see that's that movie. Fun. I want to see that movie so bad. Please give it to me. All right, what's next? From Al Renshaw, from not letting Hamad or Batgirl directors know ahead of time about cancellation, do you think it was mishandled behind the scenes by Zaslav? Relationships matter as well in business. No, because everybody keeps forgetting this. And this happens as we see this happen all the time. Fans misinterpret and confuse a studio announcing something with a reporter for an outlet finding out and then letting the information out. I guarantee you Warner brothers was not going to announce the day the New York post found out and then spilled. This was not the day that they were going to announce it. So like, yeah, what, it, what did not happen here is that Warner brothers announced it before letting the directors know, no, 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 no. What happened here was that, a reporter found out about it and spilled it before Warner Brothers could tell the directors and tell all that kind of stuff. That's what happened here. And yeah, it sucks. It does. It completely sucks. But again, it wasn't a matter of Warner Brothers timing. It was a reporter found out and they spilled it. And they spilled it before Warner Brothers could do what they were supposed to do. So it's, it's unfortunate. It's terrible. But remember, Warner Brothers didn't announce it. It got leaked. All right, what's next? 
from CPU939 sending in a $24 super chat. Thank, Thank you, you, CPU. Do you guys watch the YouTube channel Pitch Meeting? If you do, what do you think of it? Yeah, I've talked about I talk about Pitch Meeting often. It's a good Canadian kid. Uh, Canadian who runs it. I actually think he still lives in Canada and does all of them from Canada. He's great. Now, listen, it's a lot of fun for to watch his pitch meetings for movies that are bad, like like Morbius. But I even <laughs> love I love his pitch meetings even more for movies that I love. Like I just saw his Ms. Marvel pitch meeting. And you know me. I think Ms. Marvel is the best show they've had since WandaVision. But it's so much fun seeing him like pick out these things in it. And he does it so well. He's quick. He's sharp. He's witty. Uh, again, I think it's a little bit of a ripoff of what Jenny Nichols was doing. I think Jenny Nichols is the one who really created that thing, but whatever, it's a style. Um, he's great. He's great. I really, really like pitch meeting a lot. All right. What's next? From Retribution Zero. Hey, everyone. I'm a new member, but I've been watching Thank a long you, time. Question. Are we hearing the pros to the WB decisions and Alan Horn coming on board? What, if any, are the cons? Keep it filthy. With Alan, the cons of an the cons of the best film executive of the last 30 years coming on board. And, and there are, I would, I would say this, here's, here's one of the cons. One of the cons is the reality is Alan is 79, right? He's not going to be doing this long. Uh, my guess is he's he's going to be doing this for two years and then he's out. Like when he was at Disney, he was there and every decision he was going to have to live with the consequences of every decision he made because he was still going to be there three or four or five years from now. That's not the case here at Warner Brothers. So you've got a guy in arguably the most powerful position because he's the one who's got the direct line into David Zaslav's ear. He's the one speaking into Zaslav's ear. So arguably with the most powerful position who won't have to be there in three years if things go south because he's going to be back on his beach sipping his Mai Tais. Um, so I think if you had to point out one drawback of it, I, I think that would be the draw. I, Rob, it's a very good question because we haven't. It really is a good question. That's what I'm saying. Or pondering. Yeah, what, what do you would think would be the drawbacks of it? <laughs> you know, the drawbacks. The only thing that I could see happening is they've already announced this plan. Everybody has all these expectations, and if things don't go down well, you know, like they can't, they can't. Like I see, I still see it obstacles. They can't find somebody to implement this plan. And and that it doesn't work, um, but that's all I can really see. It's 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 never a. I don't think it's ever a con to bring in an experienced person. The great thing about Alan Horn is coming over is that he doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. You know, he's bringing his great experience in, which they will tap and use, and his relationships, his talent. I mean, the guy knows everybody. Yeah, and, and everybody loves him, and, and everyone loves him, and and there's no. I don't see that there's any downside to bringing in somebody who's that well respected and knows that many people i mean his rolodex is probably the best maybe that's ever existed in the modern era of hollywood so all right what's next from jay which one of these shows would you love to see come back with updated visuals and effects xena sliders buffy the vampire slayer or stargate stargate yeah, I, look, I'm buffied out. I'm uh, the other ones were were fine too. Actually, Sliders is getting it. Did, did they? I don't uh, know. I've, I've keep people keep asking me about Sliders. I thought I heard there might as long be as they a bring the Chromax back. But let's honestly, I I think a, a Stargate refresh, a Stargate reboot today. Yeah, with the I think they are today. doing that. Oh, are they, yeah. You know, so. I think you I might think, be right. Yeah, so. so I would vote Stargate. I would vote Stargate. Yeah. All right, what's next? 
from uh, B. Gill Studios with a $20 super chat. Thank you, B. Gill. Hey, guys. Super excited. One, I finished filming the final two episodes for my first super web series, Oh, good for you, man. That's awesome. And this weekend, I'm attending C2E2, Chicago's Comic-Con. I look forward to it every year. I don't know much about C2E2. I had friends who went every year. Is it it supposed to be really good? It's supposed to be really fun. You know, there's... It used to be San Diego Comic-Con. That was it. Mm -hmm. You got the Toronto Fan Expo. You got New York Comic Con has gotten bigger and bigger. Gen Con has gotten bigger and bigger. What's the one that's in Brazil? Oh, that one's massive. That's huge, massive. yeah. And Even I keep, Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. I'm keep thinking we need to get to the one in Brazil because <gasps> the studios are doing more and more stuff at the mm-hmm. Brazilian one. I can't even remember the name of the guys in the live chat. If you guys remember the name of the Brazil one, uh, I'd love to hear. Ray, if you see somebody mention it, let me know what it is. Just but yeah, fair I warning: think, I'll be drunk on caipirinhas the entire time. Heck yes. <laughs> But I mean, oh, there's Christy a Denise lot would of be great out and ones about. Now. A lot of great <laughs> ones. All right, what's a next? Of, a lot of uh, Brazilian girls. Brazilian oh, CCXP. <laughs> Are there M a Nose lot of Brazilian girls in Brazil, yeah. Rob? Uh, yeah. uh, M knows what a CCXP is the name of it. Okay. Yes, and that's it's awesome. All right, what's next? From David Lossley, I recently saw six movies at the theater in one day. Ooh, Love good old it. plexing. Yeah. Ow. You camp out there all day. That's a long freaking day. You gotta like, be there for and what, how early is their first screening? Oh, yeah. and how late is that theater open? Woo! Hats off to you, sir. All right, what's next? <laughs> From A. Marcellus, I hope we get a good Green Lantern movie in this 10-year plan. I guarantee you there's going to be a Green Lantern movie <laughs> mm-hmm. or series or something. I, I, yeah, 100% Green Lantern will be a part of that. 100%, no doubt. All right, what's next? From a Sith Lord. <laughs> Ayo, I'm currently writing a rap and the title is Dank Nugs. Dank Nugs. I love you guys and y'all really make my day when I get to watch your show. Well, thank send you. Send us so the much. video of the rap. Yeah. yeah, send us the send us the track, man. Send us the track. <laughs> you better be sampling Rob's voice. Dank going, Nugs. Dank I'm Nugs. happy to I'm happy to do any voice sampling you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's happy. next? From Fredo. Oh. Hey, Rockstars. John Chandler versus Dustin for UFC 281. Who you got? By the way, just bought a Bring on the Filthy shirt. Oh, du- du- uh, did Dustin they announce that? Poirier? Did they announce that? Mm-hmm. They did, but let's say if they Robin, did. Robin, I don't want okay, that. Okay, if that's that, not if what that's we sit down announced, to. I see it going very much the way uh, the Chandler Gaethje fight went. I think it'll be. St- You're looking at us like we'd know. Okay, sorry. I think it'll be toe-to-toe, rocket launchers going. Poye is definitely the more technical. Uh, I think Poye wins that fight, but it will... Listen, Chandler, even in the fights he has lost, my God, he's an entertaining fighter. And he can put your lights out. He always got to, yeah, because he's got that speed and that power. Because he dropped Charles You never know how uh, Poye, Poye, what is his name? Poirier? Dustin Poirier. Poirier is going to take a shot, especially if he doesn't see it. I, I think Poirier takes the fight, though. I do. Yeah, I, I think he yeah. wins. But listen, uh, Chandler's got rocket power, man. All right, what's next? From Miguel, I'm glad I found out about Harley Quinn late so I can binge two seasons. <laughs> Wish HBO would just release the whole season at once. Fuck no. No, 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 no. Screw that. I, I love the weekly anticipation. Every week having a new episode to look forward to, sitting down and watching it. It's just, I, I, I love it. I it's the best way to do it. I'm so glad. I'm glad you were able to get caught up on that and everything. This new season's been great. The new season's been fantastic. I'm glad you got on board with it. All right, what's next? From Josie Reviews, today, six years ago, I watched Suicide Squad, and a year ago, I watched The Suicide Squad, yep. and we lost a couple people. R.I.P. Flag and Milton. Yeah, oh, uh, Milton. Who was Milton again? He was literally right here. Um, 
James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, it's 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 one of the big tragedies of movies the last couple of years. That was a movie that deserved a bigger audience, but it had so such an uphill battle to fight to get an audience. But the movie is superb. It's a superb, wonderful movie, and, and it deserved better. It Dude, really did. All you have to say is they made a movie that Starro was in. And they made it good. I never thought I would ever see that my entire life. Go James Gunn. <laughs> all right, Starro. what's next? From Matt Waller, we're ending with some support. So thank you so much, Matt. Thanks so much, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, I got one chat that came in late. From one of our members? Uh, yeah. Jay Master, he writes, Breaking news from The Rep, Warner Brothers Pictures co-chairpersons and CEOs Michael DeLuca and Pam Abdi yeah. want Walter Hamada to stay in charge of DC Films. Again, here's the thing about Walter Hamada. Um he never actually got a chance to do his job. Right. Because very shortly after they said, Walter Hamada is going to be the guy to do this, Anna Sarnoff stepped in and said, no, nah, we're creating this committee. And and he never actually <laughs> yeah. got the chance to do the job. Um, you know, Hamada, I think it was at D, the first DC fandom. Oh, he, he was spoke. so good at the first he, DC fandom. You know fandom. what? By all, uh, he's a very impressive guy. He's a very smart guy. The only thing is, is again, he's not a film producer. You know, he hasn't, but as an executive, he's very, very smart. I could see that working, but he still then has to find the people to make the movies. Yeah, I mean, but that's what every studio has to yeah. do, right? So, I mean, so listen, I don't know whether Hamada stays or goes. I, I, I mean, I really don't. If he stays, great. Let's see what he can do. If not, fine, bring in some new talent. But I, again, the, just the one un unfortunate thing about Hamada is that he really didn't get a chance to do what they said he was going to be able to do when right. he got there. And now Anna Sarnoff is gone. So he doesn't have those those shackles on anymore. So I would be curious to see what he can do. Yep. And so let's see what happens. All right, guys. And that'll do it for today's installment of the John Campion Show. Gosh, that'll be the end of a week mm -hmm. of John Campion Shows. Guys, thank you so much for being here, making the show part of your day. Hey, may all of you have a fantastic weekend filled with fun and relaxation planned ahead of you, preparing you for another week of triumph and victory next week. We hope you guys will come back and join us for that ride as well. I want to thank everybody in the room, not just for today, but for a great week worth of shows. Sitting right here, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, where can people follow you online? Well, you can follow me, John, on Instagram at RM Burnett. <laughs> find me on Twitter, Burnett RM, or find me at PostGeek Singularity on YouTube and PostGeekSingularity.com. And of course, Chris Carr. Chris, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at actor Chris Carr. Or if you're interested in voiceover information, follow Speak Friend Studio on Instagram. I love that it's called Speak Friend. <laughs> Isn't that great? Speak Friend. And enter Ray Ora. Yeah. Ray, where I'll, can people follow you? I'll be watching that new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie Hell on, yeah. on Netflix. And also Power Washing. Add me, Ray Ora with a zero. And right beside him, of course, running the show today, Jonathan Voico. Jonathan, where can people follow you? Taking a nap. And also <laughs> on Twitter, Sonic, if you want it. And you guys, of course, can follow me on Instagram or on Twitter, simply at John Campia. That'll do it for us, guys. Thanks so much for being here. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye. <laughs>